Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. He's told me like four times. I can hear you breathing. Stop breathing. I don't, I don't think breathe. I said stop breathing. To be honest, I did not say stop breathing. Rich asked me to stop breathing. That's I wouldn't be the first th- person in, uh, in the wrestling world to tell you to stop breathing. And after this show, you won't be the last. <laughs> and Rich Crage. So are you ready for Roadblock End of the Line? Roadblock End of the Line. 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 Roadblock End of the Line seems to have some buzz. A lot of buzz from Roadblock End of the Line. And we are live here on the flagship podcast. I am Rich Krejci. Once again, no Joe Lanza. He is still on vacation. But to replace Joe, I have found another Joe. That was a very deliberate. Okay, sorry. I hit pause really quick on the intro. Uh, To replace Joe, I have found another Joe and another Rich. So you're getting a bonus Rich and a replacement Joe all in one episode. Two special guests here on this week's flagship. I'll, I'll introduce them both here. The first one. Joe Gagney, who has who has done this before. This is not his first rodeo replacing Joe, being a replacement Joe uh, on the flagship. At Joe Gagney on Twitter, also host of the Five Star Match Game on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. At Five Star Match Game, Joe, welcome back. I see the heat between you and Lanza hasn't uh, simmered down It has yet, not, so. no. So you, uh, you're in the saddle now, man. So, uh, oh, you're free on a lot of Thursdays. So, And also, can you do, I don't really like doing the Thursday to your reviews, so if you can start doing those too, that'd be great too. So, thanks. I look forward to the VOW Truther Twitter account where uh, it'll be like uh, Rich and the Nurse got divorced. So Rich <laughs> getting more Patreon money to cover his alimony. That would be saucy. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not the worst idea. Maybe I should start uh, getting that set up anyway. But uh, Joe Gagney, welcome uh, to the show uh, once again. And I said we're doing a double dose of Rich because it is Andrew Rich, at Andrew T. Rich on Twitter, host of Music of the Mat, also on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, at Music of the Mat. Andrew has done many things uh, on Voice of Wrestling. We did a Patreon series about the Kings of the Tokyo Dome, about Tokyo Dome main events. We've done WrestleMania weekend previews, but this, I believe, is your first voyage on the on the flagship. Is that correct? That's correct. This is my first actual flagship uh, project here. Uh, you've been on my show many occasions, of course, in the past. Uh, I've done uh, plenty of Patreon stuff with you as well, as you mentioned there. But uh, this is my first actual flagship episode so it's uh it's an honor to be here rich that's for sure oh you don't have to lie i mean come on <laughs> it's okay it's not an honor okay, I, I, there was there you were guys the last i sure. mean there was nobody left and i was like all right andrew <laughs> you want to do it joe you want to do it you're like yeah sure we have nothing to do but uh anyway so the instructions today because we were doing this on saint patrick's day is that uh, both of us or we all of us need to at some point uh be either really high or plastered or whatever and i don't know that we've accomplished that i am drinking water 
uh joe you told me you were ate cabbage and soda bread that's not gonna do it and uh andrew are, are you are you uh how are you feeling? I got a belly right full of Chinese food, uh, so I'm a little bit full. But uh, as far as uh, being imbibed or impaired, I'm, I'm, I'm no go on that one, which I'm sorry. Ah, man. Well, all right. Well, fine. We'll just have a nerd podcast where we talk about wrestling. So uh, a first for this show where we're just going to be <laughs> nerds uh, and talk about wrestling. But yeah, we have a lot to cover uh, this week. It's going to be a pretty fun uh, episode here with Joe and Andrew. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, the life and career uh, of Scott Hall, uh, who uh, obviously passed away this week. So we have a ton about that. That will probably uh, take up a good, good portion of the show talking about Scott Hall. We'll also delve into the New Japan Cup. The quarterfinals are coming up this weekend. Uh, so talk about the matches, make predictions for the rest of the tournament, go over some of our highlights uh, of the tournament so far. Uh, we also have a card for the New Japan All Japan Super Show taking place on uh, April 16th. So we'll talk uh, a little bit about that card and some of the names on there. Uh, we got some juicy details from the WWE MLW lawsuit, including a, uh, a motion to dismiss filed by WWE with some really, really fun nuggets uh, that I do want to touch on. Uh, there we'll quickly touch on uh, AEW Dynamite. Uh, the special St. Patrick's Day Dynamite uh, from yesterday. Uh, I did the Thursday tier reviews over at Flagship Patreon, so I've given uh, pretty long thoughts about Dynamite over there, but uh, we don't know what Joe and Andrew thought of Dynamite, so we'll uh, we'll touch in on you guys. And then, very special segment here, Surprise Games, because, Andrew, you and I, Joe Gagne in, in, this, you know, in his Mortal Kombat-esque thing that he does here with the five-star match game, where he pits two friends, two allies, two whatever, against each other, in this trivia game, this trivia gauntlet that he usually does, including you and I, he put us together at a WrestleMania a trivia game, and I forget who won. I believe it was me. I don't. Th- we don't have to really relitigate that. I'm well, pretty sure it was me. Well, I'm, pre- that's, that's... I'm sure Andrew. I'm going to mute you right now because I'm trying to uh, do this uh, intro. So, but I'm sure it was me. Um, and um, I'm, I'm actually I'm positive it was me. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so you, you and your fake news. You want to rewrite history? I was the victor of that game, sir. You Thank were you very much. You were you were the victor. But uh, yeah, Joe Joe takes pleasure in 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 you know the stress and the anxiety of others, and uh, we're gonna do that to him because we have surprise games. You have a trivia game, uh, and I have a surprise game. But uh, we are gonna cause stress to both of us as well because uh, I will be participating in your surprise game. And you will be participating in my surprise game. So nobody's really getting off uh, easy, uh, but Joe is definitely getting the gauntlet on him as he's getting uh, two uh, games that he's going to have to play. But uh, those those are the rules, Joe. I mean, hey, you, you take so much pleasure in, in in other people you know, competing against one another. It's now time for the tables to get turned on you. I'm so broke-brained in my wrestling knowledge. I fear nothing. So I <laughs> There it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that when we get to that. That'll be uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, time permitting, but we'll we'll try to make some time for that uh, for sure. But uh, let's uh, get into uh, the news of the week, um, and we'll start with uh, I'm gonna start with you, Andrew, because uh, at VoicesWrestling.com you wrote a great article that just got posted earlier today uh, about the music of Scott Hall, the entrance theme history of Scott Hall, uh, and as host of the music of the Matt, you're the perfect person to do that. But uh, I thought it was a really really great column. Um, there's a lot of you know I was surprised that some people didn't know some of the you know details of of what he used in Japan or what he had used elsewhere or whatever. So I thought it was a really, really great article uh, in a multitude of great articles. I mean, this week has been a really, really great time for reading about Scott Hall's life and, and his career and his history and all that sort of stuff and the good and the bad. And I think people have been pretty fair with, you know, the the, the, the bad stuff in his life and the uh, the things that obviously didn't go well. But I think also being fair not to, you know, let those kind of tell the entire story of a Scott Hall, who I think is a very intricate life, a very, you know, interesting life. And and, and we shouldn't just let the bad times or, or the things that, you know, went wrong kind of 
be his entire narrative. But uh, Andrew, I really like the article you wrote. Uh, again, VoicesWrestling.com if people want to check that out. Uh, but I'll start out here because I think you might have a little bit of a different life experience than, than than Joe and I, given your age and when you started watching wrestling. But um, what uh, what what were your memories uh, of Scott Hall? What what did you remember from you know your early days as a wrestling fan of what you knew uh, of Scott Hall? Because I know your entry point is 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 very different than Joe and I's. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words in the article. Um, by the way, it's called Scott Hall was the bad guy with great music. Uh, covers up all of his his main themes that he used in his career. It's on the website right now, but, but yeah, um, I mentioned this in the article, you know, my, the Scott Hall that I grew up with was not nineties prime era Razor Ramon or nineties prime era NWO Scott Hall. Cause I was, you know, too young. And also I didn't watch wrestling back then. Um, I first became aware of Scott Hall when he showed up in TNA in late 2004 uh, as a member of the Kings of wrestling, uh, not that team, the other team, with uh, Jared and Kevin Nash, they were a little stable there, and um, and he was there for a couple months, wrestled a couple times, and then he left. And that was kind of his, uh, I guess, his pattern there with TNA for the next you know decade or so, is that he would go there for a few months, he'd come back in I think late '07, and uh, that was when he had the infamous no show at the pay per view, which led to Samoa Joe uh, doing that shoot interview on the, on the show just scathing him out. It was, it was pretty, uh, pretty harsh. Um, and then a few years later, it came back again with the Hogan era with uh, the band and, you know, Nash again and uh, Waltman and, and Eric Young there. So, so yeah, my, my experience of watching Scott Hall was not, not the best, especially considering in addition to these kind of scant, you know, appearances on TNA or whatever, his personal life was, was, was awful. I mean, I, you would see just stories of him, you know, being drunk at shows, being you know, incapable of, of uh, being incoherent. He would get into, you know, uh, police trouble as well. So, yeah, I, I, for a long time, I did not know Scott Hall as anything else but just this really troubled guy with his, you know, fair share of quote-unquote demons, as, as they're called. Um, but, you know, luckily, um, as time went on, you know, he was able to get control of his life and be able to have that sort of redemption story. And uh, he was able to, you know, in his final three years, he was able to, to get, you know, a better lookout, a better outlook on his life. Um, now, granted, of course, I have gone back and watched, you know, his other stuff as Razor Ramon and NWO, of course. But, but I am jealous of people who did get to see him in real time, you know, at his peak of his powers in the '90s, because it was, yeah, it was just, he was really cool. That's all I can say. He was just, he was a really cool character and a cool guy. And I wish I got to see him, you know. At that time of his life, before you know the, the downturn, and, and Joe, um, for people that don't know, when did you start watching wrestling? And what would your entry point be for for Scott Hall? Did it did it predate even Razor Ramon? Did it did it go to Diamond Stud era? Did it go even before that? I may have seen him as uh, Big Scott Hall in the AWA at some point, but it had not would not have taken much notice of him. He was just a big dude with a mustache at, at that point, but certainly noticed him when he became the the Diamond Stud and and. Razor Ramon was one of my favorite wrestlers in the in the WWF at the time. It was him and Brett were the guys. And I remember Christmas '93, I got Royal Rumble on the Sega Genesis, and like the first thing I did, I darted because I wanted to be as play as Razor Ramon, give some one a Razor's Edge, and that was like there was there was no wrestler, and I've heard this this said a lot. He was as effortlessly cool as he was, and at his peak, you know, he had everything. He had the in ring ability, he had the promos, and he was just. Uh, he was just in, incredible at his best, and he was certainly certainly beset by a lot of demons, some which 
predated wrestling and, and 63 is far too early in age for anyone to go. But at the same time, given all his problems, it's almost amazing he made it that far. Right. Yeah. I, I wrote something for uh, on our Patreon side at flagshippatreon.com that kind of said, like, I hate to, you know, celebrate somebody living to be 63. But when it's Scott Hall, it's like, I mean, you would have if you would have told me 20 years ago that he, you know, it, it felt like any day now we were going to hear about Scott Hall passing away. It's just the way his life was going, the the life that he had led before, the guys that were dying around him, the peers that were dying around him. I mean, it was it was a miracle that he survived 20 years ago. It's a miracle that he survived 10 years ago. And in some ways, you know, as 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 awful as as it is to say, it's it's kind of a miracle that he lived to be 63, given all the issues that he had, given the legitimate health uh, concerns, given the legitimate, you know, all these things that kind of went on with him and, and, and the way his life was going all those years ago, I mean, you would have pretty much, it felt like an inevitability that this guy, that one day you were going to wake up to the news that, okay, yeah, Scott Hall passed away. Wow, yeah. And we kind of felt like it was going to happen anytime now. And yeah, I guess that's a testament to, to his work. It's a testament to DDP. It's a testament to uh, WB-sponsored rehab that he was able to get his life on track. And it felt like the last few years were in some ways kind of boring because we didn't hear anything about Scott Hall. You know, he'd pop up at, at some shows here and there. He'd pop up on a Hall of Fame show. He'd pop up on a WWE reunion show. He'd pop up on some of these things. And that was fine. Like, we got to see Scott Hall. It felt like he was, you know, in some ways kind of an ambassador uh, for another generation of wrestlers and, and also kind of a, a cautionary tale of like, look, I lived a very, very hard life. Don't live the life I lived. You know, I, I cheated death and I barely came out on the other end. Don't do what I did. And, and, and yeah, it does still kind of feel there is this weird feeling this week where it's like we're kind of celebrating that, hey, you know, this guy redeemed himself. And hey, you know, thank God he was able to you know live a little bit longer, but also it's a guy who's 63 years old and that's, you know, that's way, way, way too young uh, for someone to pass away. So it's kind of a double edged sword. This, this, this week is you want to celebrate that he did get his life in order, but you also want to realize that, wow, I mean, the, the, this guy died far, far too young and, and had so many health issues uh, related to, you know, the way he lived. But um, no, I, I kind of echo your guys thoughts as well in terms of um, the first time I saw Scott Hall was as Razor Ramon as I was watching WWF and just, as effortlessly cool is probably the best way to put it. I mean, Razor Ramon was just cool as fuck. Like, the character was cool as hell. The toothpick was cool. The strut was cool. I still do the strut. If you think that I, that anytime I have to get through like a curtain or uh, like a, a door or any, I mean, and I, I'm kind of being goofy, I do the, the, you know what I'm doing. I'm doing it right now. You can't really see because we're not doing this on video, but you know, the, the Scott Hall strut, the, the Razor Ramon strut. I do that. Um, me and my friends, we call each other Big Mang and Medium Sized Mang all the time. You know, like, it's, it's, it's just like it was just that, and, and like yeah. But and and um, Jerry wrote a great article up at VoicesWrestling.com. One of the things that she said was the Razor's Edge we kind of take for granted now in 2022 because we see all these cool moves all the time and all this sort of stuff. But but Joe, you kind of mentioned it that that move was cool as hell when it first came out. I mean, that was an awesome move. This giant, you know, crucifix power bomb. It looked crazy. He dropped guys really cool. And like, yeah, it, it was one of those things that, you know, when you got a video game, you're like, I can't wait to do the razor's edge. And it, it, it totally seems like just a, an innocuous move these days. Cause we're so used to it. But man, at the time uh, it, it was something else. And, and, and yeah, it's, um, you know, we're just talking about that. You know, we're, we're talking about that razor Ramon era. We, we haven't even touched on obviously the early WCW era where, you know, he is, one of the key figures, if not, you know, one, two of, of the guys that really kickstarted and lit the fuse of the Monday Night Wars, you know, coming in to do the NWO thing. And that thing doesn't, you know, he's the guy they choose to be the first guy that comes out, the guy that takes the first, you know, stab at, at the NWO angle or whatever. And he nails it. He knocks it out of the park with just a great, great, 
you know, interview and a great, great promo and stuff. And it's just, yeah, you just wish that it does feel like we lost a lot of his prime. It, it, and, and that's, I think, what will hurt me the most uh, is that we did lose just so much of his prime because it felt like we, we, we should have gotten so, so much more out of this guy than we got, but we still got a tremendous stuff. I mean, he still had like over a thousand matches and he was still an important part of so many different wrestling companies, but it does feel like uh, a little bit got left at the table. But uh, uh, Andrew, what, um, going back and watching, you know, Razor and Scott Hall, what were there some matches, some moments, some segments that really stood out to you of saying, okay, this, you know, this guy, wow, there's something special about this guy. You know, it, Joe had mentioned, you know, getting that video game and, and, and playing it right away you know, to be, you know, Razor Ramon, what was kind of the stuff that you remember going back and rewatching uh, with, with Razor and Scott Hall? Well, I've never really gone too deep with him uh, in the past, but um, but just just his aura, I think, just him coming out and, again, like you said, the strut and the thumb taunt, you were know, shaking his thumbs in front of his chest. <laughs> you're doing it, you're doing it, I can tell. Yeah. I'm doing it right now. I you can't see me, but like, I'm doing it right now. It's just... And the pyro going off, the music around his neck, and the great music was great. Yeah. Like again, not to you know say it ad nauseum, but he was just really cool, and he just had this kind of energy about him and this aura about him. Where even though he was you know quote unquote the bad guy, you couldn't help but just like him. He just had this that charisma that you just really attracted to, and you know I was re- watching uh, just a couple hours ago uh, the Action Zone tag. Sean and Diesel versus Razor and one, two, three kid. And, um, you know, he's great in that. He's great in the ladder match with Sean, both of them. And, you know, he, he was, he's not someone that I think first comes to mind when it comes to like greatest in-ring workers ever, but for what he could do, like he could go, you know, he could bounce around the ring. He could throw great punches and throw for the fallaway slam, the razor's edge. Like he, he didn't do a ton, but what he was able to do, he could do, I think very, very well. And, you know, maximizing, maximizing it as much as you can, you know, the ladder match he had with Sean at Mania 10 compared to nowadays where you've got guys doing six thirties off of ladders and, you know, going through 15,000 tables and whatnot. It's, it's tame compared to what we see nowadays, but still like he made, he helped make that match iconic and, you know, him and Sean and, and it's, it's wild to look back on him and, and see like, you know, what he was able to do in that, in that time period where he got, you know, again, things aren't too crazy, but he was able to stand out, I think, in a lot of ways in that sense. Definitely. Yeah. Joe, what, what kind of stood out for you, uh, Razor, uh, Sean, uh, Scott Hall-wise, like matches that you've pointed out, segments that you pointed out, things that you really have, uh, you know, liked going back and watching this stuff? Uh, a lot of the major ones people know about, the Action Zone tag, the the first and, and the, the second ladder matches are good. Uh like a lot of his pay-per-view stuff is very good. He worked very well with Shawn Michaels. I know Bix just pointed out they have a match in I think August '94. That's uh, that's very good on Raw. And if you could find it, WrestleFest '94 is probably one of the better Coliseum tapes they ever did. That's the one with the Steiners versus Brett and Owen match. There's a Shawn Razor match on that. That's very good, along with a uh, a very early Brett Diesel match. So. Yeah, I think you know. I think in, in WCW, the, the work wasn't really the point. I think when people point out his you know matches to check out, it's going to largely come from the Razor era here. But he had a lot of good, you know, especially for the era. It wasn't exactly work rate central in the WWF at the time, but he had a lot of uh, quality stuff that holds up. Yeah, and the thing that I remember most about the, the kind of the WCW run, and I, I pointed it out in my article, is that 
it's not really the stuff on nitros. It's not really the stuff on the pay-per-views because that was kind of, you know, a lot of it was outsider stuff. A lot of it was just kind of whatever. But to me, the, the, the stuff that I really love about Scott Hall and WCW is, you know, going to the Monsoon Classic YouTube page and just typing in Scott Hall and it's just like a random episode of Worldwide. It's like Scott Hall versus Super Callow or whatever. And you're like, what the hell? And then you watch it and like, it's pretty damn good. Like Scott Hall's bumping all over the place for Super Callow, like giving him a little bit or, you know, there's like, and I don't know, I'm just pointing out names. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's even a specific match or whatever, but like, there's a lot of random like Scott Hall versus like that guy really on like Worldwide on Saturday night or whatever. And you watch that match and, and, and to me, no, they're not spectacular matches. No, they're not incredible matches, but they're fun. He gives the guy a lot of offense. He takes a lot of big bombs. He does that sort of stuff. And that's kind of what I'll always remember about the second half of his career is, yeah, Razor, obviously, the highs, there's a couple highs. There's, like, the the, Michael, the ladder matches, the action zone tag, like, the thing with Martel on Raw. There's a few things, the, the match with Bret Hart at Royal Rumble. Like, there's some, some really, really good matches in there. But largely, he's just, like, a solid-as-hell wrestler. And that's fine. Like, that's of that era, that was okay. Like, we weren't getting that much great stuff. So having a guy who every single night you knew would go out there and just be solid-as-hell uh, SummerSlam 94 against Diesel, I think, is a pretty great match, too. Uh, one of the better, Diesel's better ones or whatever. But, like, yeah, you weren't you weren't getting spectacular matches from Scott Hall at the time, but you weren't getting spectacular matches from really anybody. I mean, Brett occasionally, Owen occasionally, but, yeah, not not much else was, you know, and, and Michaels obviously occasionally uh, as well. But, yeah, the WCW run maybe is a little disappointing in that sense that, like, a lot of it was just, you know, the major stuff was tag matches or he was just gone, you know, and that's when his demons really started to play up. And by, you know, 97, he doesn't feel like a really important part of the, 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 uh, the company, you know, anymore. And then by 98, he's, he's, he's gone a lot. And then he's back as an alcoholic, which great, great, great job. WCW. Yeah. Really, really cool story as a guy who's legitimately like crashing cars and having horrible, you know, alcoholism. Let's put that in a story. Yeah. Awesome. And then, yeah, it, it, it kind of, from that point forward, he's, basically just a ghost like he'll he'll show up every so often you'll be like oh hey scott hall's here and then he's gone again you know what i mean then, he, then he's gone again and gone again and gone again and, and like you know he was around for a lot longer than people remember i mean he was part of ww 2000 the, the ridiculous silver and black one but then he was gone again a couple weeks later and then you know kevin nash would say you know i got, I got a friend who can't be around and he would make like veiled references to scott hall and then it was just it was just weird and you know, the ecw run and then pretty much you know everything after that just feels kind of just yeah it just feels kind of sad in, in, in a lot of ways and i think that's what's maybe most disappointing about it is that knowing how good he was and knowing how good the wcw roster was it does feel like we left a lot on the table uh in the wcw run because it was yeah the promo a little bit of the nwo stuff but largely he just kind of feels like a dude that was just there to cut promos and be in the background but but the match has really never delivered to that level uh to me but uh uh, uh andrew um his, you know, the, the stuff that you saw, the TNA stuff, I mean, is that, you know, going back or, or knowing that in hindsight, is it more like, do you like even checking that stuff out or is it to you maybe a little too sad to even like, because that, yeah, that, the way I'm had... at, like, I, I try to avoid that because it's just like, oh man, he, he comes out and he's sweaty and he doesn't look good and you're like, this is not, I don't like watching this. Yeah, I've never had the urge to go back and watch that stuff. I, I think I remember he had a match with Jeff Hardy in a pay-per-view and like early 05 where he's like in just like a full not even in his gear he's in like sweatpants and you know, jacket or whatever and it's not good and like i said earlier you know um he came back in you know late 07 and was supposed to have that match with Nash and Joe versus uh Angle, AJ and Tomko and he's just gone he's not there anymore and you know Samoa Joe just cusses him out live on pay-per-view for like 5 minutes straight you know talking about how you know there are guys in the back who bust their ass for this company and for these fans, like 
the machine guns like Eric Young, like, you know, Jay Lethal. And Scott Hall is here for a paycheck, you know, and he just cusses him out on the pay-per-view. And it's it's rough. And, and you know, again, demons had a lot to play with it. Health issues had a lot to play with it. And, again, you know, you're thankful that he was able to overcome that stuff. But as far as, like, wanting to watch it, I, I can't see any reason – you know, why you would, you know, obviously there are wrestlers who have died and you go back and watch your stuff. Oh, that was pretty cool. But to watch someone in that stage of their life when they're in like serious decline and they need help, it's, 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 it's not fun at all, Rich. No. Yeah, it it is tough. And uh, Jonathan Hernandez brings up a great point in our chat room. He says, uh, maybe the biggest testament to how cool Scott Hall was is early nineties WWF where everyone is an insane character. He's doing a Scarface routine and the promo still age so well and, and and Joe I'm going to I'm going to ask you this because you, you know you were around and watching this live or whatever at the time when Razor Ramon the character came out did you make the connection did you know about Scarface did you know that he was basically just doing you know a dollar store Tony Montana thing did, were you aware of that at the time or were you just like hey Razor Ramon okay yeah no i remember him from being the diamond stud in WCW which was about 75% Razor Ramon at that point cuz he had the you know the razor's edge it was a diamond death drop at that point he had the slick back hair and the stubble and uh you know he had the toothpick and all that so i'm like oh it's this guy and then he's like <laughs> i didn't really get the connection about scarface i just thought like oh this is this guy cuban now <laughs> like, just, i never knew how very odd <laughs> yeah. how very odd uh but you, i mean you just kind of i mean you could not do that today to say the least uh as with most things in the 90s wwf but uh no it was like oh okay i guess that's that's how it is now i had not seen scarface i didn't really get it but i just thought like you watch those early events. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, Vince. Yeah, that's the the, the story that he's yeah. doing like Scarface, and Vince is like, "This is great, <laughs> unbelievable." <laughs> yeah, he never. What a it. character! One, two, three. He got no, only two. Right. So you know, he's like, he's like, "Oh, it'd be Razor," and then you know, he, he's like, "I need, a, I need a last name." So he asked Tito Santana, who's in the you know, washing his hands in the restroom, like, "Hey, what's a good last name?" He said Ramon. So I was like, "Okay, well, he's Razor Ramon now." So. Yeah, and those those vignettes, they have like a genuine sense of menace about them. Like this, like you can tell, like, this is a this is a bad guy. I'd be really afraid if I ran into this guy. But at the same time, he was like, he's also super cool. Like, like oh, I, I kind of wish I was more like him. Like, just you know, just he just he did not take any crap, so to speak. Yeah, it is. It's a real. I mean, because the character is like a lot of other people would have made that character absurd, but he was able to make it. Just enough, like you said, enough of like menacing, but also cool as hell to the point where like he couldn't be a heel for that much longer. So you had this like drug lord guy with like the his logo was like a racer, but like everyone cheered for him and he's like hugging kids and stuff. And it's like, man, I thought this guy was like a Cuban drug lord, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, who cares? He's from the you know, and then he became from the streets and then he was like a man of the people or whatever. And like, yeah, it's a testament to, to how great he was at that character because yeah, it, it felt. You know, when you hear the stories about the creation of that character, it felt like they kind of just were like, all right, yeah, this all sounds great. Do it. And and it kind of felt like he was able to sort of do what he wanted to do with that character, you know, obviously with a little bit of help from, from you know, their production and all that sort of stuff. But it, it feels like it was largely kind of his character to sink or swim. And a lot of other people probably would have made that character way too over the top, way too annoying, way too weird. And, and Ramon just made it where, you know, the menacing part was subtle enough. The cool factor was way off the you know off the charts and and yeah he was a good heel for a while but then it became just so damn cool that he had to become a babyface, face and then he was a face pretty much for the rest of his you know career there in, in, in WWF for that that entire run and uh, yeah it, it is just 
amazing. I remember as a kid being like, why is this logo a razor? Oh, well, whatever. You know, not until later realizing, wait, a darn minute. It's cocaine? It's wrestlers? Like, hmm. Are my wrestlers doing cocaine or selling it? This is unbelievable. I can't, you know, I can't fathom this. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a, yeah, it, the Razor Remote character remains like one of my favorites of all time. Just a really, like you said, Andrew. Uh, the, the pyro was awesome. The music was awesome. The gear was awesome. The chains, you know, the the best part about, you know, even as a babyface, giving his chains to the, you know, the ring attendant saying, hey, if something happens to these chains, something are going to happen to you, which speaks to what Joe's saying. Like, we were like, hey, it's Razor Ramon. He's a cool guy. And then he's about to like, you know, he's going to murder the ring attendant if he loses his gold chains because it's like, well, you know, he's still... You know, he's still Razor Ramon. He's still a Cuban drug lord. So, uh, you know, I, I, one of the all-time great characters in, in, in wrestling history, one that probably, again, would not happen today, but uh, or very much would not happen today, but uh, a really awesome character. And, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's uh, it's just a, it's a, a big loss to the wrestling world and and kind of one of the, you know, one of the great what-ifs in, uh, in, in wrestling history of what could have happened with him, despite the fact that we still did get a very, very, very long run uh, with him, and I know Joe that you had kind of put together a little bit of a timeline uh, of Scott Hall. I don't know. Did you want to cover some of the stuff in there? Since you know we, we've talked about Razor Ramon, we've talked about uh, you know some of the TNA run, but uh, do we want to talk a little bit about kind of his early early days as well? Because I think yeah, there's some interesting I, stuff there. I, I think it's, he has an interesting story where he's training to wrestle under Hiro Matsuda, who's you know trained a bunch of people, and he's just doing Hindu squats at that point. He's not touching the ring because, like he said, they don't want you in the business at that point. They want to run you off, and it just happens to run into Barry Windham at a grocery store and, you know, gets to talking to him. Barry's like, Oh, what do you do? Cause he, I think he was in Tampa at the time. Tampa had, I think a USFL team. There was a lot of, uh, you know, big guys in the area at the time. He's like, Oh, I'm a wrestler. So Barry's like, well, you know, I'll, if you're the hero, you're not doing anything. Come meet me in the ring. So, you know, Barry took Barry and Mike Rotunda took time out of their schedule to help him, you know, train and, and, uh, and get acclimated in the ring, which again, like people weren't <laughs> doing that back then. So that kind of leads to him heading to Charlotte as uh, he teams up with Dan Spivey as uh, American Starship. It was uh, Coyote and Eagle and, you know, kind of a quasi road warrior team, two big jacked up guys, although they didn't have face paint or anything. They were just two dudes named, you know, American Starship. And if you're wondering what that meant, like Scott Hall didn't know. He gave interviews. He's like, you need to ask Dusty. And I'm guessing Dusty heard Starship on the radio one day. He's like, oh, what a great name. And, uh, <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, sounds like Dusty. Yes, yeah. and went with that. And they're, you know, they're a pretty short-lived team. They weren't wrestling all that much. They're actually on the Greensboro Orioles uh, grounds crew because Crockett owned them at the time as well. So what happened was they uh, Hall ended up in Central States. Not that that was a much better proposition, but because he could actually wrestle a bit more than uh, he was in uh, in Charlotte. And from there, he ended up in the AWA in, I think, 1985. And, you know, AWA was still in pretty decent shape at that point. So he was getting to be in front of some some good crowds, and they put him together with Kurt Henning as a tag team because, you know, Kurt could do all the work and, and tag out to Scott Hall, who could make a comeback and win. And, you know, Hall told a story where fans are like, you know, oh, you need a better partner than Kurt. He's holding you down because he's the one – he just gets beat up the whole match. And – when the opposite's actually true. And they their highlight was holding the uh, AWA tag titles. They beat uh, Jim Garvin and Steve Regal, not not the English one, Mr. Electricity. And if you think like, oh, cool, I'll check that match out. Well, you can't because it, it was a phantom title switch uh, held in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Which is funny because that's also where Dusty Rhodes supposedly beat Buddy Landell for the national title. <laughs> a lot of title switches and I, in Albuquerque. And yeah. I, yeah, and I think there was an NWA junior 
wow. title Phantom Switch. So some poor guy in Albuquerque is like, how do I keep missing out <laughs> right. on all this action here? I don't understand. Yeah, that that Rio de Janeiro, I mean, buy a ticket to a house show in any of those two cities and you're you're guaranteed to see a title switch. So that's, uh, that's pretty yeah. awesome. So it's, um, and you know, you, you look at him at the time, you can't reconcile him what he became in the nineties where, Oh yeah. If people don't know what like big Scott Hall looked like, like it wasn't like a ha ha big. I mean, this guy was easily like a hundred pounds heavier of just pure, you know, I don't want to say, you know, steroids, but uh, you know, he's, he was a big man. He was a very bulky, bulky, bulky man at that point. Uh, yeah. He slimmed down tremendously to get to the razor Ramon character, but yeah, big Scott Hall was, was indeed a very, very big man. And he just had like a brown hair and a perm and a mustache. And he was a zilch <laughs> on the promos. Like he, I heard him like he beat Tom Stone and he's huffing and puffing. Afterwards, like oh, Tom Stone, he's a great competitor. And it's just like, it, it's hard to reconcile. So he was in the AWA for a while. And by the late eighties, I mean, he was just a big guy. That was all he was. And he was big. You kind of forget. He stood next to Kevin Nash for so many years. You kind of forget. He was a huge man. Right, right. He would, he would pop up in Memphis. He looked like Andre the Giant. <laughs> yeah, he was like, what? I think it was legit like six, 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 seven, I believe. Yeah, he was just enormous. So, you know, in the later part of the eighties, like he didn't like the cold and, you know, the AWA, the, the ship be sinking as, uh, as they said. So he kind of got out there and uh, he ended up, I think in, he was in Japan for quite a while. He worked New Japan. For a long time, he was just kind of, which you think is kind of a an, an odd fit for someone so associated with American wrestling and storylines and whatnot. But he had a pretty lengthy run in New Japan. He just kind of traveled all over the place. He was in, uh, you know, catch wrestling in Germany as Texas Scott, uh, you know, <laughs> working the rounds with Otto Vons and, uh, and, and Rambo. And, you know, I was going through his cage match results and I saw he was wrestled someone named Rocky Las Vegas. And I'm like, that's the greatest name. <laughs> ever do you have any do you have a guess who rocky las vegas rocky is? Associate... las vegas i don't andrew a... do you have a rocky las vegas guess oh i've i've got no clue <laughs> he actually is associated with las vegas today because it's uh the the is godfather, godfather? yeah it was oh <laughs> incredible and uh he ends up in uh i think puerto rico as well he's feuding with carlos cologne i think he has a bull rope match with him and whatnot and <laughs> who didn't i mean who yeah, among I, was, us yeah, yeah I, think, I think it was still texas texan at this point <laughs> who so among us didn't get a ball uh, rope match with the Carlos Columbus. yeah and actually in 89 they had he had a kind of a brief run in the nwa he was gator scott hall they had <laughs> at a clash they had a video of him said to billy oceans when the going gets tough the tough get going and he's like poking alligators with a stick because i guess he was a uh a gator man at this point so i mean this is he said it himself like he never had any success in the united states like he bounced all over. No one really knew what to do with him until he got to, to the WWF. Because, you know, like, you know, finally, he's thinking about calling it quits in, like, 1991. Because he's, you know, he's not, nothing's really happening for him. And finally, you know, he's talking to DDP. He's like, you need to manage someone taller than you. Because DDP had the diamond mine. And he towered over everyone in his roster at that point. So that's when they bring him in as the diamond stud. And this is when WCW was bringing in a bunch of new characters. They had like Oz and Black Blood and Big Josh and PN News. So like the Diamond Stud was basically, <laughs> it was like Bruno San Martino compared to the rest of the, the rest of them. And, you know, it starts out pretty good. He beats Tommy Rich in the Clash. He feuds with Tom Zank and uh, beats him at the Great American Bash. But then he loses to Zank at the next Clash. And that's the one where Sting got hurt. Or actually, no, that was actually a bit later. He um, he actually lost to Ron Simmons in two minutes at the next clash. 
because uh, you know Simmons was challenging for the NWA. I mean the WCW title at Halloween Havoc. Right. So I get that, but he lost in like two minutes. <laughs> Uh, loses to Zink quickly at the next clash, and that's the one where Sting got hurt. So the, like they did a split screen during that match. You could barely even see it. He's in the Chamber of Horrors match at Halloween Havoc 91, which is um, maybe like the worst match featuring the greatest collection of talent of all time. Because that match had it had Vader, Cactus Jack, uh, the Steiner Brothers, <laughs> Sting, and uh, and it was just uh, an abomination. I always forget that, that he's in that match. Every time I watch that match, I'm always just like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Scott Hall. He's just got like, and he's like just kind of in the background. He doesn't play an important part in it whatsoever. But yeah, it's like, it, it is an all time bad, but all time great match where it's just like, yeah, yeah. all time fun bad match for me. I love going back and rewatching that one. Everyone should see that match at least once because it is just kind of, it is the height of WCW absurdity. <laughs> right. In the early 90s. But then he, he gets hurt. He's out for a while. He does, you know, a couple things and then finally gets his WWF tryout and then he, we get Razor Ramon. Yeah, and obviously that that you know the Razor Ramon character, as you said, like it, going back and watching the old promos of Big Scott Hall or you know his appearance on the Wrestle Rock Rumble. It's just like you know what I mean. Oh, like God, yeah. he's like the least charismatic human being on earth, and you're like this guy is a, a black hole of charisma. And then like yeah, he comes out and he does the Razor Ramon things, and it's like it fits like a glove. Like you would you would almost assume that this man was actually a Cuban drug lord, and finally they were just like, All right, Scott, be yourself, you know what I mean? Go do whatever you're gonna do. And something clicked, and then from that point forward, he was just the coolest dude in the world, and, and the promos were good, and the and and the, and the cadence was good, and the, the confidence was 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 all over the place. And like he was never lack of confidence after that. Like everything from that point forward was just Super confident, and yeah, it's just a great, you know, the story of him pitching the 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 Razor Ramon character. We talked about a little bit uh, the vignettes. If you've never seen those of him, just you know, prowling the streets of Miami and and riding in the cars, and stuff. it's just awesome stuff. Just really, really cool stuff. And then they bring him in, and like he is immediately, immediately put on like the top of the card. Like he's immediately teaming with Flair. He's going against Savage and Mister Perfect. He's getting a title shot against you know uh, Bret Hart at the Royal Rumble. It's like wow, right out of the gates, they're like we're pushing this guy. I'm always I was always amazed by that. I was kind of surprised that they pushed him as quickly as they did. Um, but you know, that's what it was at the time. When they got into a character, they were into a guy, they just said, Hey, fuck it, let's push him. You know, it didn't matter what he was in WCW, it doesn't matter what he was in his rest of his career. They were into the character and they just went right at with him and, and he was in main events right off the bat. Yeah, this was Vince still having his fastball and taking someone no one knew what to do with and making him an instant instantly credible star. Yeah. And like you said, he got a lot better wrestling wise during this time. No surprise, he's working Randy Savage at the house shows. He has a title program with Brett at the Rumble. And that's the only WWF title match he ever had, at least on like pay-per-view, high profile, which is always odd to me that, you know, he just, they kind of had him plateaued out at a certain level. But he certainly, and also just a weird random fact, uh, he was at four straight Royal Rumble pay-per-views, but he was never in the Rumble itself. He was always in a singles (laughs) title match. Wow. It was uh, the um, world title, his first one, and then the Intercontinental title, the next uh, three. And even the the rumble they had at Madison Square Garden, the unaired one, he wasn't even in that. <laughs> it's like this poor guy can't get a can't get in a rumble. And then he leaves the company, and then the Razor Ramon two comes in, and he's in the rumble. That's right. Fake so, Razor yeah, got go. in. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So there's some justice there, at least. But yeah, I mean, people kind of got into him pretty quickly when he's 
wrestling Bob Backlund at WrestleMania 9. The crowd's clearly into him. And for God's sakes, why wouldn't you be? I still have no earthly idea who put that match together. Like, <laughs> it's one of the more perplexing, especially when you realize what he was doing before that. And then they're like, all right, so you're going to get a shot with Bret Hart at the Rumble. He's like, okay. Uh, and then you're going to wrestle like 46-year-old Bob Backlund at WrestleMania. He's like, okay. <laughs> like, um, and I'm the bad guy? He's like, yes, yeah, you're the... You're the cool as hell guy. You're gonna wrestle this old dork in 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 red trunks. And... Yeah, old guy who sticks his butt out and uh, <laughs> right. prances around. And yeah, and uh, the fans uh, will boo you. Maybe. Right? But, They're gonna uh, think you, the cool guy, is uh, you, you suck. But uh, yeah. So at you... that point, like, yeah, it was clearly time for a face turn, which was done in uh, a pretty impressive way. Yeah, and Andrew, uh, this is where I want you to. Have you ever watched the uh, the one two three kid uh, match? The the big upset. Uh, from Razor and One Two Three Kid, I've seen the clip of the ending, but I don't think I've seen the whole match in its in its entirety. No. Yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty fun match. It's a really really good. I mean, it, it, it's it's Sean Waltman, you know, at what he's nineteen at this time, twenty at this time, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I mean, super super young still. Uh, and Razor is bound and determined to let this guy, you know, get the shine here. Get you know get you know show us what you can do. Do your thing. You know, do all that sort of stuff. And then the win, yeah, it's just an awesome, awesome moment. I mean, one of the more iconic moments in in, in Raw history. It's still, you know, brought up as as one of those big time matches and big time moments in Raw history. And and yeah, it's a it's a great example. And you know, there, there's going to be many examples throughout his career of, of Scott Hall being willing to lose to to, to you know a, a lesser guy, being willing to you lose to you know somebody who needed a big win to, to get over. And like, no, is he like you know? There was a lot of people saying, like, oh, he's one of the most selfless wrestlers ever, and we'll maybe get to that and <laughs> address that in a little bit. But, like, he was a guy that if the situation was right and if the person was right, he was more than willing to lose to them and allow them to have that spotlight. And this was, a, I mean, not a star-making performance, but it made 1-2-3-Kid's career. I mean, he's literally called 1-2-3-Kid because of that match. And 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 it's, a, again, another iconic moment in Raw. But, uh, uh, Joe, do, do you remember, were you watching this live, or do you remember watching this moment happen? Uh, because this is an upset that just did not happen on, on like, WF television these days, like this 19 year old kid beating this guy who, you know, just challenged for the title a couple months ago. Yeah, the way they did it, it was even better because two weeks before that, he was uh, the kamikaze kid and he got squashed by Doink. Like he just gets no offense in. The next week, I think he's the cannonball kid. He loses to Mr. Hughes. So you're like, they set it up like, oh, yeah, this guy's on Raw. He's not, he's not winning. And I'd recognized him as the, the lightning kid because I'd seen him in Global at the time and i've talked to people who are actually online in 1993 if you could believe it but like the very early uh formation of wrestling discussion and the, you know the, it was like oh my god what are they doing they're ruining this guy already he's a <laughs> right. loser so some things don't haven't changed at all for <laughs> for good or ill but then they do the the colossal upset that week and that's that's also the week where mari Gennetti beats uh sean michaels for the ic title and that's kind of a landmark raw because you know the show had not even been on six months at that point and you know some weeks it was just nothing happening (laughs) like nothing happened on the show but that was like whoa like like huge major things can happen and and that was certainly part of it there too so at that point you know razor challenges the kid like oh, i want a rematch and he gives him money and you know finally it builds up and uh you know, he gets the rematch, and uh, I think he actually knocks the kid out, like, for real during that match, and they didn't know what was going to happen at the end, but the kid gets some money and runs away, so, you know, Ted DiBiase's laughing at Razor, like, I can't believe this, I'll show you how it's done, and uh, he has a match with the kid, and Razor interferes at that point, he causes a distraction, DiBiase loses, and that's kind of Razor's face turn, and he faces DiBiase at SummerSlam that year, that's the opening match, and that's kind of a 
a changing of the guard kind of match because that was DiBiase's last WWF match. And one of his last ones, he gets his neck hurt in Japan pretty soon afterwards. But DiBiase had been there since 87. And a lot of those guys, like, you know, Hogan was gone at that point, Duggan, Bossman, a lot of those 80s and early 90s guys were phased out. And it was kind of, dare I say, a new generation of wrestlers. (laughs) The new generation. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, but no, it was. It definitely, yeah, it felt like it was all happening very quickly, too. Like, all these guys, like, little by little, one by one, were, you know, 92 was, like, kind of the first purge. But then by mid-93, it's like, you know, you take WrestleMania 9 and look at WrestleMania 10, and it is, like, night and day, the roster between those two. I mean, just completely, completely different. Yeah, so at that point, like, Razor's, you know, super popular, and that's when Shawn Michaels gets script, uh, stripped of the IC title because uh, I think they said he failed a drug test, which he has, you know, denied, like, wholeheartedly. When You know, give, given all the things Shawn has you know, admitted to over the years, <laughs> right. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the belt gets held up, and they have a battle royal, and the final two go on to have a match for it, and it comes down. It comes down to the Quebecers, uh, Rick Martel and Razor, and Razor eliminates the Quebecers. Um, so it's him and Martel. And what's weird about this is that <laughs> the match was actually spoiled for me by the Boston Herald at the time because the, the match was taped in New Haven on a tape delay. It didn't air live. And I guess I some guy was there. He put some notes in the sports column that, oh, yeah, Razor Ramon wins the title. And I was like, whoa, that's like – I'd never seen much you know wrestling coverage in the Herald at the time. It was just kind of one of those weird – this weird little thing that happened to come about that I remember, but yeah, he wins his, uh, his first IC title. And he's, he's one of the guys I really associate with that belt when I think about it, because he, for the next like two years, he held it pretty on and off. I think mm-hmm. he's number six all time in terms of cumulative time as the champion. And he's just, you know, I, he really never got above that level. He, like I said, he never had another shot for the title, the WWF title. But he was, he's one of those guys I really associate with that title, especially around that time. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, Andrew, you had talked about the uh, the WrestleMania uh, 10 ladder match. Have you ever have you gone back and rewatched the SummerSlam one uh, recently? I actually watched that this week and, and was pretty, uh, you know, the WrestleMania one, as you mentioned, is, is kind of tamed by today's standards. People kind of say it's a match that also has a ladder in it. Uh, the 95 one, though, I mean, that's that holds up pretty good. I don't know. Have you watched it recently? Not recently, but I remember, I think... There's one moment that sticks out to me. I think that's where uh, Sean uh, kicks him off the ladder and he falls too. I think that's in that one. And uh, it's a pretty nasty spill. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't seen that second one uh, in, a, in a while, actually. So I may be wrong there. But um, but um, but yeah, I think both matches are pretty good. Uh, but I think the WrestleMania one, because it was not the first first ladder match, but the first of, you know, first really big ladder match, I'd say. That one gets all the attention, but the second one is, from what I remember, is you know, is pretty good too. I think. Yeah, it, it's great. They take some hellacious bumps in that one. I mean, they, they took some pretty big bumps in the first one as well. But yeah, that second one is like a lot, and it's like what's weird too is there's like no reason for them to take those bumps other than the fact that they just wanted to like because the match was like completely thrown together. Like there's no real purpose for it. Like the WrestleMania 10 one was like built up for like a half a year. You know what I mean? Of like, Oh, this is the IC title and it's disputed. And there's this champion and that champion, or whatever. And the SummerSlam one, they're just like, you know, well, Sid's going to get a title shot. No, wait, never mind. We're going to have a ladder match first. And then Sid will get his title shot. It's just like, cause they just, I think they just knew that SummerSlam 95 was going to stink. So they were like, ah, we need to have something that doesn't stink on this <laughs> match on this show. Uh, cause diesel and, uh, and, and, and King Mabel aren't going to do it. Nor is, uh, Isaac Yankum and Bret Hart. So, hey, we need something on uh, SummerSlam 95, feel the heat that people are going to like. And, and they decide, hey, let's put these guys in a ladder rematch. And they just go out there and they bust their ass. I mean, they take some hellacious, hellacious bumps in there. 
And it's a really, really fun match. But, you know, what I always remember about that era is it does feel like, and, and, and Joe, you can maybe attest, you know, attest to this, it does feel like at this point they're kind of out of ideas. I don't want to say out of ideas for Razor, but, you know, from this point forward, he's just kind of there. He does the stuff with Dean Douglas. He does the stuff with Goldust. He does, you know. But it really kind of feels like he's sort of spinning his wheels. And, and like you said, maybe he he realized that there was a ceiling on, on what he was able to do in WWF because at this time it just feels like, you know, they don't really have much else for him other than, hey, you can be IC champion again. And, and he's, he's done that four times. He doesn't need to do it again. Yeah, like he had you know, lost the belt to Jared in early 95 and then kind of like, you know, he had a USWA title run and, uh, you know, he was like Savio Vega's friend when Savio came in. So that was, you know, real scintillating stuff. And then that just kind of, you know, he kind of won the IC, you know, he won the IC title back from Dean Douglas. And it's just like, all right, we, we've kind of seen this by now. Could we do something else? And then there was the Goldust feud in 96 and that, you know, that wasn't, uh, you could tell he was not super into that <laughs> feud. Uh, that is one little, way to put it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the one, two, three kid heel turn and, uh, you know, just, it's just it didn't seem like he was he was super happy with it and you know he got that offer from wcw and you know he's talked about he didn't want to go he you know but you know he looked up to vince mcmahon as a father figure which i'm sure a lot of wrestlers do in that regard but you know he had kind of done everything he was gonna they were gonna let him do and you know with the money being offered it just made sense and he put over uh triple h at that infamous uh madison square garden show and he was uh out the door Yep, and not before they obviously, you know, they they did the uh, when he informs Vince that he is leaving and he's going to go, you know, and 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 seek offers elsewhere. Uh, he is hit with a uh, drug suspension for uh, four to six weeks or whatever. So yeah, uh, weird how they dug that up. Yeah, it's just weird a complete. Time. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Before you leave, uh, you're suspended for a drug. I, it's the wildest thing. I was just about to tell you this. Oh but, yeah, uh, you got to re- miss uh, WrestleMania. So yeah, ah, oh, darn. Yeah, oh, the biggest payday of the year. Yeah, can't do it. Sorry, pal. But uh, yeah, it's just crazy how the coincidence that that uh, that came up at the exact same time. But um, then obviously, yeah, he goes to WCW and and, and Andrew. Uh, you've done many episodes about NWO themes, and you, you know you wrote up about the NWO theme in, in the uh, uh, the piece you wrote for Voices of Wrestling. But I mean, this this is the time when Scott Hall goes from just like a really really great character to like one of the biggest deals in wrestling. Just you know, from one appearance in a jean jacket cutting a promo to then what would happen over the next couple of months. And and, and yeah, he is part of the you know arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest stories in, in, in wrestling history with the NWO. I mean, it's just a crazy, you know, crazy happening. And, and, and you know, what are your kind of memories of, of, you know, the early Scott Hall WCW days? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he's the guy who kicked it all off because he was the one who showed up first. Mm-hmm. He showed up out of the crowd. Mike yeah, Enos the guy and Steve Dahl, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Mauler. The Mauler, right, Mike yeah. Enos. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah, Every he, time you hear the promo, it's like, guys, oh, he's, he's mauling him. He's mauling him. And then I forget who's like, what? Who's that? And you go ahead and you hear Larry Zabisco go, oh, Steve, it's Mike Edis. It's I love it. I, <laughs> the way they did it. And yeah, kudos to WCW for really just selling. I mean, they were so good at this time of really selling that, you know, especially on Nitro. You watch Nitro compared to Raw and Raw is just so polished and so bright and colorful. And Nitro is like things happen. Cameras shake. Guys come out. Things are weird. The announcers are confused at times. And and yeah, that was probably one of the more iconic moments there, where Scott Hall just walks through the uh, you know crowd, and they, nobody knows what's going on. Oh yeah, the, the commentators are you know flabbergasted and like, what what the heck is going on here? And he grabs the mic and he says that infamous line: "You people, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. You know where is Billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho Man? You know, and all that stuff." And 
you know, over time, Nash comes in, of course, and, and power bombs Eric Bischoff uh, through the stage at Great American Bash, I believe it was. And um, then, yeah, then Hogan comes in as the third man and uh, off to the races we go. And, and yeah, you know, again, as far as matches go, I haven't seen that many hall matches, you know, NWO wise, but, um, but as far as like just watching the entrances and like just watching him, like in that moment, in that, in that spot, just, you know, being Scott Hall and being cool. It's pretty damn cool. Like there's that famous clip of all the NWO guys, you know, in the ring for a promo and some fan, I guess throws a soda at him and it hits Hall right in the head. And without missing a single beat, Scott Hall just sweat, you know, smooths the hair back with the soda in it, just cools a cucumber. And that just kind of sums them up right there. And it's like, you don't really need to watch the matches because you kind of get the character, you know, and what he's supposed to be, you know, right there in that moment. And uh, I, I think, you know, as far as I've seen this talking point brought up a few places, but as far as like who made the NWO cool, I think Scott Hall was the biggest part of making that faction cool. And Nash was too, of course, but I think Scott Hall being the first guy, being the guy with the cool strut, being the guy with the slick back hair and the toothpick and all that, I think he really was the, the, the cool engine, so to speak, of that group for, for so long. Oh, for sure. And I think that, you know, the survey time promos were like, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and people get upset because it's like, he's making them cheer for the NWO. They're supposed to. And it's like, all right, well, whatever. WCW's dead at this point, so who cares? But, you know, obviously, were they <laughs> were they good for business? Ah, whatever. They were good for his business. And that's all that matter. They were good for the NWO. But, yeah, the survey things were as cool as fuck because he would just come out, you know, in that Scott Hall voice and go survey time. You know what I mean? It was just like, it was awesome. And like, yeah. And everybody in the crowd, you know, are you here to see WCW? And then everyone, boo, are you here to see the, and then everyone goes, ah, no. It's like, yeah, it's so effortlessly cool. And, and, and yeah, so much of like, if you watch the early NWO stuff, like, it does not age great. Like, Hulk Hogan is one of the biggest dorks in the world in those early NWO days. You know, he's trying so hard to be like, Hollywood, you know what I mean? And Kevin Nash is Kevin Nash. Like, there's a certain, you know, gravitas around Kevin Nash that, like, sometimes it's cool and sometimes he's the biggest dork in the universe. But, yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Andrew. I think Scott Hall was the reason that that original crew was as cool as they were. I mean, he looked cool. He acted cool. He just was. And, yeah, it really added a whole different aura to them. And, yeah, I don't I, – I think it was very strategic and very smart that he was that first guy that came out there. Uh, and cut that promo and, and and got things started and really showed you, hey, this is, you know, this guy is coming over. And, yeah, he's got tinges of the Razor Ramon character, but his name is Scott Hall. He's wearing leather. He's not Razor Ramon. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, that you know, went into the NW angle that, that, that made it, you know, made it great and, and, and made it work. But, uh, yeah, like match-wise, I mean, there's just really not much in WCW to say. I mean, that's it, he wasn't really there to have great matches. There wasn't really the, you know, opportunity for him to have great matches. Maybe he wasn't going out of his way to have great matches, but yeah, there wasn't that many like high level, you know, pay-per-view things going on with him. I mean, he was, you know, in world war threes and he was in random stuff here and there, but yeah, it just never, yeah. A lot of it were tag matches. A lot were just kind of ho-hum tag matches. And there's a few singles matches here and there, but nothing that I could like, completely 100% recommend that, oh my god, you gotta go out of your way to watch, you know, X and Y. I would just say, my recommendation is go to the Monsoon Classic YouTube page and type in Scott Hall and just watch some, you know, random worldwide episodes because it's just as good as, you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall versus, you know, insert other, you know, WCW tag team. Mm-hmm. And watch the uh, the vignettes too, the black and white vignettes when they were, you know, you know when they were introducing the NWO at, at, at the start there. That yeah. was pretty cool too. 
Especially to see again, again to see Hogan just like, you know what, dude? I'm with these <laughs> right. cool guys, Holly Nash. We're gonna kick some <laughs> butt, man. It's just like, oh, it's like he watched like one episode. Of the, he watched like season one of The Simpsons. Is like Bart Simpson. All right, that's yeah. what it is. That's what's cool. Going to the cow, brother. <laughs> right, exactly. It's so bad, and we're you're like, man, like this revolutionized wrestling. wrestling. Like this changed wrestling, and you watch it now, and you're like, this is the most uncool thing ever. Why did anybody watch this ever again? But uh, it somehow worked. So. <laughs> I don't think you can really uh, overstate how many creative swings WCW took in 96 and how they largely all paid off. Yeah. It was like bringing in the cruiserweights and, you know, oh, let's have Mongo McMichael turn heel and join the horsemen. And, uh, <laughs> oh, let's bring in these guys, pretend they're WWF invaders. Oh, we'll turn Hulk Hogan heel as well. And it just all paid off. And it was just, you know, they never had a burst like that uh, again, sadly. But uh, yeah, you watch those vignettes, you know, black and white. They were like, they were unlike anything. Hulk Hogan, like, oh, the new world organization of wrestling, brother. It's like, <laughs> right. It's like, oh, boy. Yeah, okay, Hulk's here. But, yeah, you could tell, like, and and how lucky, <laughs> like, Scott Hall's name was Scott Hall, and, and Kevin Nash was Kevin Nash. Their real names were, you know, perfectly viable wrestling names. Yeah. Was oh, like yeah, yeah. Mortimer Wimpleton or something like that, where it just wasn't going to work. <laughs> right. Although it always bothered me his move became the outsider edge, which is just like, that's 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 super lazy, guys. <laughs> like, what you do? <laughs> Call it the hall pass or something. Like, uh, it was the nineties. It was either the X bomb or yeah, you, you can't, you know, you can't get too crazy with the move name. It's either, you know, the, the, you know, the guy's name and then a bomb or just the, this bomb, and the crow. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't get too inventive in the, uh, in the nineties, but uh, anything else uh, that stood out to you, uh, Joe, uh, about his WCW run? No, just like it was, you know, the, the in-ring scene beside the, the point at, at that point, it was just the, you know, the surveys, which were kind of the WCW equivalent of the new age outlaws, uh, introduction and you know just things just i mean went bad eventually for him you know they they used his issues as part of storylines which is always excellent and uh got them the most disgusting promotional tactic uh i think in 98 which almost seems quaint considering what wins it uh, these days <laughs> yeah, but uh <laughs> but yeah and you know i mean I don't think we mentioned that. Like, Hall had a lot of demons well before he got into wrestling. I think his father, you know, had had problems with it. And he he killed someone in self-defense, like, yeah. before. And this was, like, ESPN did a, a segment on this, like, well after the fact. Like, no one knew about this, to, to my knowledge. But he had, like, PTSD from that because, like, someone, I think it was, like, his boss at the bar he was working on, like, attacked him. And he, he took his gun and shot him. And, like, no one ever knew about that. And you you can try to process and, you know, and, uh, you know, deal cope with that as best you can, but there's only so much you can do. Right. It was, I think it was later in, in life. I don't know if it was that E60 thing, but it, that was the one where I think most people became aware of it. I think I, I was aware of it a little bit before, but yeah, he was like a bouncer at a bar and I think somebody was messing with his car or something like that. I, I forget the exact story, but essentially he saw that guy reach for a gun, Hall reached for a gun and just shot the guy in the head. Cause he was just like, well, if I don't shoot him, I'm going to get shot. And like, yeah, that's I mean, that's a tough thing to live with for the rest of your life that like, yeah, he was, you know, he wasn't arrested. He wasn't in jail for it or whatever because he was able to, you know, claim it as self-defense. But I mean, you still, you know, you killed a human being. I mean, there's no way to kind of do that and, and and you know, live a normal life. And, and yeah, later he didn't make an excuse for it, but kind of did say like, look, you know, that was a pretty traumatic thing in my life. And I never really I never truly got over it. It was always haunting me and always a part of my life. You know, from that point forward, and, and and yeah, it starts to make some of the other issues that happen in his life 
you know, a little bit more clear. But uh, yeah, the, the, the late WCW run is when things really, really started getting just completely out of control. I mean, he was getting multiple DUIs. He's putting other humans in danger uh, as well. He's crashing cars like crazy. He's coming and he's going. He's going to rehab. He's going away. He's doing, and it just felt like from you know mid, early '98 till you know WCW goes out of business. Like we just don't get anything out of Scott Hall. I mean, he, he's there sometimes. He's doing stun gun ladder matches and stuff, but it just never ever feels like we get. Scott Hall again. We never really get that guy again, and 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 you know even his second WWF run, you know we never got that either. I mean that was another very strange run, and another one where hey let's put uh, his alcoholism into a story and let's lock him into a beer thing and spray beer on him even though he's taking drugs that are going to make him throw up if he's uh if he consumes alcohol. Yay! Awesome! What a rib! <laughs> you know so. Yeah, it's a disaster. The, the 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 last half, and then like Andrew mentioned, the TNA run is just you know it's 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 more sad than anything. And got the ECW run and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's just pretty much from late '97 on. It's just kind of you know whatever. You know, it's it's just it's more sad than anything. It's it, it's not even worth really remembering. Yeah, he's back to just bouncing around everywhere at that point. Like he has a New Japan run in uh, was it 2001, and uh, you know the the short. NWO reunion, he gets turfed because of the the plane ride from hell. You know, he's an early TNA. He's kind of a relatively big player there. And then after that, you know, it's like, oh, some stuff in Puerto Rico, like Juggalo uh, stuff there. He works <laughs> shots and hustle and uh, kind of has that kind of the last run with the, the, the band in, in TNA. He just kind of was all all over the place there. Nothing really, nothing stuck at all. Yeah, and, and like I said, the, the you know the unfortunate part was like the last ten years of his life were pretty, um, you know, because after that TNA run is when he officially checks into rehab, and and that's when his health issues start coming up. He's got like problems with seizures. He needs a pacemaker. He needs a new hip. Like he needs so many. And at that point, his life is just in complete shambles. At that point, and and he never, you know, he wrestles. You know, I think one more match in 2018. It was for the DDT title or something like that. I forget what it was, but you know that effectively ends his, his in ring career. But Thankfully, after that point, it does feel like his life does get a little bit back on track. And the last decade of Scott Hall has just basically been, you know, guy that shows up on Raw 25, guy that shows up on Raw Reunions, guy that shows up at Hall of Fames, you know, guy that maybe shows up at an indie, shows up at a WrestleCon, shows up at this. And, like, it was kind of cool that he became that. Like, he became one of those guys. And I had a few buddies who went and met him at a at a at a autograph signing and said he was really really cool and other wrestlers said he was really cool and it was it was nice to see that at least we got the redemption story that you know this story would be a whole lot different if he died in like 2010 like immediately after TNA he's dead and it's you know it, it's a totally different story but you know we were able to get the redemption arc we were able to get this guy who you know was able to kind of get his life back together but uh you know like we said at the top of the show it just sucks that like it's a double-edged sword of, you know, celebrating, you know, that he was able to kind of get his life back on track, but also, you know, mourning the death of somebody who died way, 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 way too young. So, uh, mm. yeah, that's that's Scott Hall. So, uh, Andrew, did you have anything more to say about uh, about Scott Hall? Uh, just the fact that, you know, he's left a pretty big legacy, not just with a lot of fans, but with wrestlers, too. I mean, the other day um, on New Japan, one of the shows uh, after he died, Tanahashi, you know, came out for his entrance and did a little... Did a little Razor Ramon strut and, you know, flicked the imaginary toothpick at the camera. And it's like he considered Hall to be, you know, a hero of his because he wrestled him, you know, when he was still a young boy. It's on YouTube, actually. Uh, the video is called Scott Hall versus Japanese Young Boy. <laughs> yes. And, uh, literally, you know. And, and yeah, if you want to look it up, like Andrew's not joking. If you look up Scott Hall versus Japanese Young Boy, uh, you might be surprised at who that young boy is. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I just watched the match the other day and, you know, Scott Hall 
it, it's not like, you know, this is the Tanahashi we, we know now, obviously. You know, this is obviously very, very young. He's a couple of years in. And Scott Hall takes, I think, 99% of the match. He beats him up. He gives him all the moves, the fallaway slam, the abdominal stretch with the leg pull, uh, you know, the razor's edge. And he gets on the mic, and I guess he's feeding with Mudo at the time. And he goes, you know, Keiji Mudo, you know, this is what's going to happen if you mess with Scott Hall. And then Tanahashi rolls him up and he pins him, you know, and sure. Is it, you know, a clean pin, so to speak? Is it, you know, sling blade, high fly flow? No, it's a, a cheap little roll up pin, but still Scott Hall put him over and Tanahashi afterwards, after the match the other night, actually in his backstage comments, you know, he talks about with this big smile on his face, like, you know, many years ago, this guy told me that I am the future. And, you know, every day I've tried to live like that and try to live up to that, to that, to that guy. And hopefully, you know, he can see what I, he'll see what I've become. And I think it's really, really nice that, you know, even someone like Tanahashi, who you may not think like he would have connection to Scott Hall at all, but he did. And he still remembers yeah. him and he still thinks of him fondly. And he considers him to be, you know, an, a little mentor of sorts. So I think that's really nice. And, you know, big our Shimizu does the thumb taunts as well. And during his matches, he's a big Scott Hall fan too. So, you know, even at places like Japan, you know, in Dragon Gate, New Japan, like he left a mark on different people of different you know ages and, and generations. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I'm glad you pointed that out about the Tanahashi thing. I I, uh, I just, you know, today found out about the thing of him doing the post-match promo. Um, you know, I knew about the match between Tanahashi, but yeah, that Tanahashi actually had a little tribute after that match or whatever is is, is super super cool. And, and and yeah, you know, it is still a roll up or whatever. But yeah, a lot of guys, you know, including <clears throat> the guy that Scott Hall's calling out there, you know, is not willing to you know let younger wrestlers <laughs> roll him up for victory. So it's nice that you know, yeah, he takes ninety nine percent of the match. But yeah, getting that one two three, getting that pinfall, I mean, that that does mean a lot. And more than anything, you know, Scott Hall being the prognosticator and saying, Hey, the, you're the future. You're great. You're, you know, keep it up, keep doing what you're doing. Like, yeah, it, it, you know, he was right. Cause, uh, the guy he was talking about, you know, that Japanese young boy ended up being one of the, you know, one of still is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world and one of the greatest yeah. wrestlers ever. So yeah, good, uh, yeah. good, good foresight by, uh, by, by Scott Hall there. So, uh, Joe, anything else before we, uh, move on? Uh, no, just that, I mean, when Scott Hall was great, he was truly great. And, you know, there are a lot of stories of, him being, you know, a good friend and someone great backstage. There are a lot of stories of him being a negative influence backstage. And I always remember Chris Candido told this story on a shoot. And I think they were both working in New Japan in 2001. And Candido had some terrible run-ins with the click in the WWF. So he's, he's sitting on a train. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting on a train. And Scott Hall comes and he sits across from him. And Candido's like, oh, here we go. And they're listening for a while. And finally Hall goes, Hey, why were you such an asshole to me in the WWF? And Candido's like, what are you talking about? You were terrible to me. And Hall just goes, oh, well, I knew one of us was an asshole to the other. <laughs> he <just> wasn't <laughs> sure who. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that, kind of, that kind of sums it up. Uh, it does, up. yeah. No, And that's like one of the things that you do find out when you, when you hear about uh, is that it largely like Scott Hall himself wasn't as much of the like politic guy and wasn't as much of the asshole, but he definitely ran in those circles and definitely used those circles to his advantage, you know, for yeah. better, or for worse. He, he knew how to align himself with the, you know, the, the, the political movers and shakers of, of, of those companies. And, you know, largely was able to get some big money contracts out of them and, and some big spots and some big things, you know, so yeah, that, that takes a little bit of uh you know, you got to get credit where it's due in, in some ways, especially in this carny business that, uh, you know, aligning yourself with the click and aligning yourself with Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash is, uh, 
certainly not the worst thing to do. Unless you want friends, and then it's not yeah, a well, thing to do. Hey, but it's not, it's not show friends, it's show yeah, business, exactly. Joe. You know what? Yeah, like, yes, very true. <laughs> right. So uh, that, is, that is Scott Hall. Uh, again, check out uh, Andrew's piece up at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, I have a piece up at FlagshipPatreon.com. And as I mentioned, Jerry uh, has a piece up at VoicesOfWrestling.com if you want to read uh, uh, some Scott Hall tributes. And I'm sure the uh, Wrestling Observer this week will be, uh, will be great as well as, as Dave. Um, Again, you know, in a weird way, excels in these situations and, and, and does a great job of, of writing these, uh, these obituaries. But uh, we'll move on now to some other topics here. Uh, Dynamite, uh, last night I uh, gave my thoughts uh, on the Thursday tier reviews as I filled in for Joe uh, this week. So I've given my, uh, my thoughts about Dynamite. But, uh, uh, Andrew, I'll start with you. Uh, Dynamite this week, uh, just kind of overall thoughts. Did you have anything that you, you know, stood out to you in the show? What do you think about the main event? Uh, Thunder Rose and Britt, what did you think about the Hardy Boys debut? Anything that kind of stood out to you? Uh, on this week's uh, episode of Dynamite. Yeah, I thought it was a really enjoyable show for the most part. Uh, I thought it was really good. I love the opener. The opening six-man was great. Um, I love the Jericho Appreciation Society. That whole angle was was awesome. I'm all in on that. I love the spin of making it a, a sports entertainment group to get the heat. And, you know, just things like giving 2.0 their quote-unquote real names when they're actually wacky sports entertainment names was great. And... Um, and of course, Daniel Garcia, uh, a wrestler's wrestler, bastard, <laughs> proudly calling himself a sports entertainer. Um, and I just couldn't help but think of Brandon Thurston as uh, Ralph Wiggum. You know, look, Lisa, if you slow it down, you'd see the part where his heart breaks. You know, and it's just <laughs> just that moment of Daniel Garcia saying sports entertainer with with glee was great. But uh, but no, I love that um, uh, Mox and Brian and Regal and that whole thing with Wheeler Utah was pretty cool with. Uh, Regal as the uh, the Anoki uh, here slapping these guys into the group. Um, that's pretty nice. Um, and yeah, uh, stuff like the Hardys and the Private Party that was pretty uh, that was pretty neat to see, especially for Private Party because you know that's their that's their dream match pretty much. And for them to get the first Hardys match in the company, uh, it was really cool to see for them. And um, you know, guys are. Hardys are still. Over. I know you don't like him, Rich, but yeah, goddamn, the Hardys are still fucking. No, over I know. Like yeah. I'm not going to be fair about it. I'm not going to be reasonable, but that hot tag to Jeff Hardy was. <laughs> I mean, that was the loudest pop of the entire <laughs> night. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Warlow Scorpio Sky thing. A because I think it's kind of you're kind of cheapening the TNT title a little bit with that kind of shenanigans heavy roll up thing. And, and Scorpio, look, I, I like Scorpio as a wrestler. He's a good wrestler, but he's just not really over with a lot of people. Um, I think Dan Lambert probably gets more heat than him. Um, of course, MGF does as well, but, but I wasn't really a fan of that and, and wasn't really a fan of how they, they played that out. But, um, but I'm looking forward to the MGF Wardlow feud going forward, I think. And, uh, and the Rosa Brick cage match. I mean, you know, did I like it as much as, the um, last year's lights out match? No, I don't think so. Uh, but those are, you know, pretty high highs to live up to, I think, mm-hmm. after last year. But I thought it was still a, a pretty fun cage match. Uh, they always, you know, they always go balls out with these weapons and cages and stuff like that. And Britt just, you know, takes these nasty bumps. Uh, same with Rosa. And uh, it was a little rushed at the end, I think. You kind of sense that, but uh, with the time running out. But uh, but still. A uh, fun match, and it was great to see Rosa get the win in her hometown. 
uh, with that with a great crowd, you know, on our side and uh, a great entrance too with the mariachis and the full face paint. That was a lot of fun to see too. So, uh, so yeah, overall, I think it was a, a pretty damn good dynamite overall. Yeah. yeah, and I think that cage match is going to be, you know, I, I I was kind of the same as you. I thought it was good, but not great. And like, I think you know, it's maybe unfair to compare it to that lights out match because we might have to kind of put the lights out matches like, okay, you know, they might never be able to do that again because that's like an all time great match. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah. so judging it on that, you know, merit is probably not the way to go. Like maybe we should just be like, Hey, you know what? That was a pretty good match. And you know, the never, nothing's ever going to be able to top that lights out because I think a lot of people came into this match going, Oh man, last year was a lights out. Let's see what this match is going to be. And, and, and maybe they'll never be able to match what they did with that lights out. And and that's fine. Like that's mm-hmm. okay. Uh, if that's the case, but I, I pretty much the exact same thoughts as you in the main event. I thought it was good. Uh, not great, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's still delivered, and, and yeah, it was a really, really cool moment with Thunder Rosa getting the win uh, in her hometown, and it's pretty amazing what happens if you uh, have people, you know, win in their hometown, yeah, and you know, it's... it's <laughs> It seems like if you put, put these people over in their hometowns... Okay, I'm stroking like my chin. That. Go on. Yeah, okay. People apparently like it when their hometown heroes get the big win. I, it might be a little complicated for some people to figure yeah, out. Hold but, on, hold on. I'm going to have um, to unpack that. So what they're going to do is that person's going to come out, and they're going to announce them from their town. Then everyone's yes. going to go, yeah, that's our town. They, they're from our town. And then they're going to watch them win an important match. And they're going to be happy about this. That is the formula, yes. Huh. Now, it's a working theory. <laughs> that's going to work? Or, like, people are going to like that or what? Like, we have to do some more tests maybe. But <laughs> right. it, hopefully it should get these people over. But we'll see. <sighs> yeah, I just don't Are fans going to like that? Like going and being a part of a really cool atmosphere and watching a really cool moment? Like, is that something some fans surveys. want? <laughs> like, is that, we've do done they some surveys. We've done some, fan, we've done some questionnaires. <laughs> things are looking positive in that direction. But yeah. again, we'll have to, we'll have to well, you know what? We'll have to let it play out, I guess, Rich. Yeah, well, well of course, we'll let it play out. But uh, yeah, uh, Joe, what did you think of uh, this week's Dynamite? Uh, I thought it was a good show. Uh, I'm curious what 2.0 team name going to be going forward because Jericho said <laughs> that's bad creative. And like, well, no, that goes back like 20 years on the indies. So I don't know <laughs> if they're going to have a, a new name or just be their, their, wacky singular names uh second i would rather have a safe be dropped on me than take a jeff hardy swanton at this point. <laughs> that yeah. was a that was a big swanton yeah that was a shoot swanton which is uh, a very uh, a strong style swanton which yeah. I, I guess i appreciate so and what are you gonna uh, do, say no with jeff hardy swanton i mean come on <laughs> right. you're kind of in the you know, you're in that position. What are you going to do? Say, uh, let's do this do a twist of fate. This, uh, no, you're going to take the swan time. He did that weird movie. splash. So just yeah. Just so, that. okay. I, I, I'm, I was trying to work through it on the TV news and I'm not quite sure. Did he want to do the swan time and then just like, didn't flip and then was like, ah, shit, let's do it again. Sorry. I didn't do it. Cause it was so weird that he got up to the top and everyone's like, oh, here we go. And they just did like a splash. And it was like, oh, all right. Like, did he, I, I, I think it was part cause they, uh, cause they, you know, they kicked out and I think it was, um, I think they had a few more spots to do then. So I don't think it was going to, I don't think it was that crazy to do a, you know, to twist up the second rope. Cause you know, it might not, have might not have landed perfectly on that, but, um, but I think he just, you know, I, I think he's done the splash a couple of times in the past. So I don't know, maybe. And uh, just my last point on the main event is Thunder Rosa, like the most improved wrestler of all time. Cause I remember when she was Cobra moon and Lucha underground and no joke, she had like three straight weeks. She had a worst match of the year candidate. She was so bad. And now she's like main eventing national television, having, you know, good cage matches. Mm-hmm. People always say Nigel, you know, Nigel was awful when he started. And I think Nigel at his best was better than Thunder Rosa. But uh, yeah, just kind of a, an incredible testament to, to perseverance and hard work that she got you know, good at all. Never mind as good as she has gotten. 
Yeah, and I think the, the other thing that's interesting about that is it's not like when she was in Lucha Underground, she was like 20 years old, and it's like, ah, well, she's new to the business. Like, she was kind of new to the business, but she was a little bit older as well. And so for that the improvement to happen, you know, in your 30s, it's, you know, is, is probably a testament to, you know, yeah. I, but I'm with, yeah, she's definitely somebody I'd put in there. That's an interesting question of, like, the most improved wrestler of all time, you know, from where they were to where they ended up. And Nigel's like Nigel is my my go to because he was like horrendous and then ended up becoming like one of the best wrestlers in the world. But uh, man, that's an interesting question that I hadn't I hadn't thought of. But yeah, she might be in that pantheon of, of all time, you know, overall improved wrestlers. I'm trying to think of others off the top of my head that I don't know if you, anyone wants to be in this pantheon. No, like, it's not. I mean, it's, yeah, like hey, you fucking sucked and then you got good. So Gee, hey, thanks. Like, yeah, right, you like, used to be terrible. Right. Yeah. Like it's different if like improved was like, hey, you know, you were 19 and now you're 22 and you got a lot better. But this is like, hey, you were really horrible, like really bad. And then like <laughs> ever, nobody thought you would ever get good. And then you got kind of good. So, hey, congratulations. So, yeah, I don't know. If, uh... yeah, it's on my head. Maybe maybe the listeners can, uh, can come up with some others that they think of off the top of their head. But that's uh, that's an interesting uh uh, interesting question or question there, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was another good dynamite. Uh, ratings wise, you know, real quickly, uh, pretty much right in line with the ten week averages. Which you know, given that it was the NCAA tournament, you know, first four NBA was still going on. It was the you know night before St. Patrick's Day, which I don't know about you guys, but my area, uh, it is definitely a two day event out here, really a, a month long event out here. But I don't know if it's like that for you guys, but uh, people definitely celebrate the night before uh, for, of St. Patrick's Day. So yeah, I was kind of uh, I was kind of surprised the rating came in pretty much right where it had been for the last you know 10 weeks. Are you telling me that the city that dyes its own river green for St. Patrick's Day is a big <laughs> fan of that holiday? They enjoy it. Yeah, I, yeah. I am. I am shocked, good sir. I am shocked. Yeah, and here I am talking wrestling. But uh, I have bourbon, so does that count? I'm drinking <laughs> bourbon, so that's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that's worth, but uh, I have that for you. But, uh, oh, I yes. can't wait for the hour three takes at that point. Nah, it's like, a little bit. It's you know a little who deserves bit of a second it's chance a... in wrestling who got really screwed over? <laughs> right, I, don't know. I want that on audio, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's control your narrative. I, you know, I, think, they're, I think it's got <laughs> a bad rap. Yeah. They've got some good ideas here. You know? <laughs> right. I think they need a few more rules. <laughs> Rule number seven of the yeah. Should be oh god. Uh no big seasoning is bullshit though. I will um I'm with uh Flip Gordon or whoever. Who's uh, I don't know who's big on the big seasoning. Maybe they all are uh, against big seasoning, but uh should you guys see Brock Lesnar as uh, seasoning now? That's some real big seasoning. Yeah, that's big. Seasoning. That's the biggest yeah. seasoning. Yeah. Like, are you gonna tell that man he uses like bad ingredients in his seasoning? I mean I'm not going to, but uh if EC3 the, and Flip Gordon want to, and they can knock themselves out. But uh, yeah, is it like red pepper, like as red as Brock turns after like five <laughs> in the ring? <laughs> I don't know what's in, what's the Brock Lesnar seasoning. I, I I saw like a image of it, but I don't know what's um it's actually contained in the. Uh, all right, here we go. It is uh, Brock Lesnar's bearded butcher blend seasoning. Okay. Uh. I don't know. It doesn't say what's in it. Okay. I don't know. It's got no MSG, guaranteed gluten-free, and sugar-free. So that's uh, I got that for you. <laughs> Those are all good things. Yes. Uh, it's an <laughs> excellent I, red meat. I want meat. sugar and MSG. Yeah, why would I? <laughs> Hard pass. Uh, it is an excellent red meat seasoning along with wild game, chicken, pork, fish, and more. So uh, mm. sprinkle it or mix it in. This spice blend will hit you like a suplex. Yay. I was wondering uh, if we were going to get a wrestling uh, copy, and we got it. It will hit you like a suplex. So there you go. Um, all right. So ingredients, salt, <laughs> sea salt, paprika, <laughs> celery salt, garlic, onion powder, 
natural spice extractive of paprika. So it's got paprika and natural spice extractive of paprika. So it also has salt and sea salt. <laughs> right, it feels a little blend there, salts for you. <laughs> That's uh, not that interesting of a uh, a seasoning, but uh, anyway. There you go, Brock Lesnar seasoning, ten ninety nine at uh, beardedbutchers.com If uh, if you're curious to, uh, to why are why are spices so expensive? Like you know, I'm <laughs> I grocery know. shopping. My wife is like, oh yeah, I need a little thing of paprika. It's like twenty five dollars. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> well, you're getting the natural directives or whatever of paprika. You need to get just the normal paprika. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Jesus, they are a while, but they do last you. You know, they, they last pretty good. I, I enjoy. You know, anyway. big seasoning jacking up the prices. <laughs> you know, that's the problem, Joe. Is big seasoning. That's the problem. Big seasoning is going to tell you it's labor shortages and 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 costs. But I bet you, if you looked at big seasoning CEO, he's probably made a killing this year. Don't they're controlling so, the narrative exactly. So you give Flip Gordon your money yeah. <laughs> by his bad <laughs> seasoning, which is also also like twelve dollars, but not you're not going to save any money. But at least you're not going to put it in the corporate fat cats you know pocket. So you know, choose uh, yeah, choose your money wisely. But. Uh, yeah, there you go. That is uh, that is Brock Lesnar's seasoning. The hell were we talking about? Oh, dynamite. Yes, we were talking about dynamite. Uh, let's leave. We're, we're done with dynamite. Anybody else have any thoughts on on, on AEW dynamite? Nope. I'm, Do not. I'm all set with that. All right, let us talk about this WWE MLW lawsuit. So obviously for people that do not know, need a little quick catch up here. In January, MLW filed an antitrust lawsuit against WWE with some high-priced lawyers as well, some pretty high, uh, uh, high-flutin lawyers here, saying that WWE has undermined competition, has monopolized the pro wrestling business, and they have, you know, the, the, the worst thing of all, hindered MLW's business and hindered MLW's future contracts. So uh, earlier this week, WWE filed a motion to dismiss this claim. The quote here from the uh, the, the the motion here is: MLW's claim for inter, uh, intentional interference with contractual relations is unsupported by factual allegations, and what allegations MLW pleads are entirely implausible. MLW's claim for intentional interference with prospective economic advantages fails because MLW does not allege that WWE knew about MLW's negotiations to sell to a third party, first-run programming, nor does MLW plausibly allege that WWE's alleged single communication with the third party influences decision to not purchase MLW content. So essentially what they're trying to say there in a, in lawyer speak is that there was this idea that uh, MLW presented in this lawsuit that said that Stephanie McMahon told like Fox that if they let MLW get on Tubi that they would like take SmackDown away. And it was, it was all very ridiculous. Like I forget the exact intricacies or, or whatever, but it was all kind of ridiculous. Uh, and Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics had a great write up about this uh, as well. Um, but uh, some other quotes you know, from this motion is, quote, MLW has given up competing in the ring and has chosen instead to compete in the courtroom. So a little bit of a side swipe there uh, at MLW. Uh, quote, the notion that WWE would jeopardize hundreds of millions of dollars in rights fees and breach its own contract with Fox in order to keep MLW off a streaming service makes no rational sense, which I think we can all kind of agree with. Like, that is, like WWE does do like insane stuff and competes in weird ways and, and cares about stuff way more than they should. But this one felt like a bridge too far to say like, you know what, Fox, we don't want your billions of dollars. Just make sure MLW can't get on Tubi or whatever. Yeah. What was it? Tubi was the, the, the place that they were claiming that they were negotiating with. I don't even remember what the stream. I think so. Was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I that is so. like, you know, they, and they're petty. WWE is very petty, but that's a different level of petty <laughs> You know, to tell Fox, you know, you can shove your billion dollars, you know, up your ass. Keep MLW off Tubi. That seems seems a little wild. 
Maybe they thought Contra was a real like, terrorist group, and they were scared. <laughs> I never thought about that. You're right. That's the only explanation I can think of because they're like, "Whoa, whoa, these guys are out of control." <laughs> right. This is a terrorist. That's Kruger. I can't. You know, we can't let him get like, yeah, more know, power. We're not gonna. You yeah. know, we're not gonna let terrorists you know be on the same network as us. We would hate to. You know, hate to offer that. But, uh, <laughs> so also in that. this uh, this motion, an incredible cell phone that also kind of works in in the way that they're trying to make it work uh is WWE cited that they lost in the demo head-to-head with AEW, and that was a sign that they're not a monopoly which is interesting i mean it, yeah it kind of you know it, like it does work but it's also like a cell phone like hey look AEW whooped our ass in the demo so like uh, you know how can we be in a monopoly and they're not wrong but it's also kind of a weird thing for WWE to kind of claim failure in a way to you know make themselves you know perceive better in this lawsuit but i guess you know hey, it's it's a cell phone lesser but it, it's, e- it's not wrong <laughs> yeah it's... less lesser two evils i suppose i right. mean you know yeah they beat us one time in our demo when we were head to head and this and this and this or whatever but it proves to you know maybe to, to to a court that like hey look we can't be a monopoly if there's a competitive wrestling company out there that is competing with us on, on this level so uh, you got that and then uh <laughs> this last quote uh, MLW, I love this quote so much. It's so good. <laughs> this it feels like Vince read this whole thing and then said, "Wait a minute, I got one line. Could I add this one line?" And they're like, "Sure, Andrew, do you want to? You have it in front. Do you want to read it?" I, I think I would love to read. You this go so ahead. Much. Yeah, this this feels like Jerry McDivitt kind of workshopped it. Vince gave the final thumbs up. Maybe added a few words here, but this is what a line this is. Go ahead. MLW is com- sorry. <clears throat> MLW is complaining about the shadows cast by the bows, or the sorry, by the boughs of a lone tree, while it stands in an otherwise open and extending field. Wow, Oof. that's a that's an Instagram quote. I mean, somebody can definitely take a picture of their ass with that quote, you know, behind it. In terms <laughs> of like, it's just like one of those. Yeah, it's 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 wild. It's uh, yeah, they 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 they're complaining about the shadow cast by one lone little tree, what one, one little family business, <laughs> World Wrestling Entertainment. They're doing they're back to their like, oh, we're just a mom and pop operation. It's just you know Vince and Linda, and you know there's our office. You can call our number. We're a you know little home business. We you know made a billion dollars, but that's a that's besides the point. Who cares about the billion dollars? Yeah, the, the the shadows cast by a lone little tree while it stands in an otherwise open and extending field. So essentially, quit complaining about us. Do your own shit. So I don't know. It's an interesting one. I mean, MLW has some pretty high priced lawyers. They have until April twenty second now to oppose uh, this uh, motion. But uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing here. But uh, uh, Joe, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, this this ongoing litigation between MLW and WWE. I like it's a legal write-up that basically says you suck. Like <laughs> you do bad ratings on Vice, and uh, and no one likes the Richard Holiday heel turn or you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, they really uh, should have. They really should have. And maybe they did. I didn't. I didn't read all of it. But yeah, I really wish they were like, eh, you know, this sucks. This was stupid. You know, as Tech yeah, Underground, they, are you kidding just, me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Every but, match in MLW is not as good as you hope it would be. Right, right. They kind of the MLW has given up competing in the ring and has instead chosen to compete in the courtroom. I mean. That's kind of right there for you, but uh, yeah, that's uh, it's wild. That's a, it's a pretty fun. Yeah, WWE at its core is still. I mean, this company can make a billion dollars, but still, you come for them, they are just gonna annihilate you in the courtroom, and they're gonna try. Yeah. So it's McDevitt, man. He's yeah, he's still a, a shark. He's, yeah, he's got it. Years, he's still got his fastball. <laughs> he absolutely does. Yeah, he wants to retire. You can't retire. You can't retire on this. You know, if you're this good, you can't retire, man. You know, this is good stuff. But uh, yeah, wild, wild stuff here from. Um, 
uh, from WWE and the, uh, the MLW lawsuits. We'll keep uh, keep in touch with that. April 22nd, MLW has to uh, give their thoughts on this uh, this lawsuit. But uh, this this kind of feels like a knockout blow. I mean, how do you come back from this? Like, <laughs> you guys suck, and that's why nobody will sign you a TV uh, deal. It's like, <laughs> eh, you know. What are they, what's MLW going to cite as their rebuttal? Like you said, Richard Holiday? Like, what are they going to say? Like, yeah, Hammerstone? They need to bring in uh, Stephen P. New to, uh, he should be like, do a last minute run in. You think he's mad? Like, he's not on the legal team? Like, he advertises every week on their show. You think, like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm ready for you guys. He's like, ooh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, why don't you stick with the uh, faulty, uh, you know, hearing aids or whatever? <laughs> right, right. What about this, uh, this, uh, you know, Hernia mesh. He's probably going to worry <laughs> yeah, more about the about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're, you're doing good. We don't want to. We don't want to interfere. You got some big stuff going on. He's like, no, I'm really, I'm really have all the time. Like, I could definitely take this. Like, no, 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 no. You got a lot of stuff to deal with. There's, you know, no, you're good, man. The, the, the vaccines are out. You can probably find some class actions about those. Like, just you're good, man. Just worry about your thing. Worry about asbestos and hearing aids and, and hernia mesh, <laughs> and, and we'll worry about you know big time things. But uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, <laughs> The world of MLW never, never stops. So there you go. Uh, that's all right. Let's uh, let's get into the world of uh, of Japan here, because we have New Japan Pro Wrestling, the New Japan Cup. And Joe, you told me you have watched every. Have you watched every match, every event of New Japan this year? Is that what you told me? I sure have. Well, wow. well, Rich gets literally chastised on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> like you, like, not just, I, no, like, Joe's not general, being facetious. You. Yeah, I no. literally got called out by Kevin Kelly for not watching enough New Japan. So, I want Kevin Kelly to know I have seen every New Japan match because you know I, I enjoy the product. So yes, I'm yeah. on this weird streak, and I'm like, I feel bad to to break it, even though sometimes I wish I could. But <laughs> I'm not impressing anyone except in like a pitying kind of way. So I don't know. I just feel like I'm trapped. But yeah, I, I you're not, out. Joe. You can get out. <laughs> you can. You're not trapped. You can do whatever you want with your free time. You're not trapped. Don't let Kevin Kelly bully you. You know what I mean? Like if you don't want to watch, you don't have to watch. So. But yes, I have seen the entire tournament and all the undercards. If you have any questions about that <laughs> i don't, don't <laughs> i really know. do not yeah, i really really truly do not have any questions about the uh, new japan cup undercards but uh andrew where are you uh, in terms of the new japan cup well first of all uh kevin kelly shouted me out on the russell kingdom a few months ago in a very positive way so thank you kevin kelly for that uh <laughs> suck it all right suck it, you Rich. know what <laughs> the rock was right about this guy like, <laughs> in some of the things uh, but no things. yeah yeah but no, I, I've been skipping the undercards, but I have watched every tournament match so far, uh, including this morning's, uh, which was um, uh, which was this uh, what was it? Uh, Night to uh, sorry, uh, Sa- uh, Saber versus Okan and uh, Osprey versus Sonata, and then tomorrow or yeah later this morning I guess whatever uh, is going to be Shingo versus Chase and Evil versus Hiromu. And then that's the last third round match and the quarterfinals are up next. So, yeah, but I've seen everything else, you know, in the, in the tournament. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I've watched most of the tournament. I've kind of picked there's some matches I've skipped and I'm just like, nah, I'm, <laughs> there's not enough time in the day to watch, you know, that, you know, that guy or the, this guy. But uh, I, I think it's been a pretty, you know, my overall thoughts is I think it's been a pretty good tournament. A lot of the stuff that I've watched has been pretty damn good. And like, again, I'm skipping, you know, like there's some things that I have skipped. There's, there's matches that I have kind of passed over, but like of the stuff I've watched, the stuff that features good, you know, good one or two good wrestlers or came, you know, very, you know, well-recommended. I've, I've thought this has been a pretty good tournament in a lot of ways. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you guys have gotten the same sort of thoughts about it, but it does feel like the work has been pretty damn good. And, and, and that's, I mean, new Japan is, you know, there's a lot of great, great wrestlers in new Japan. 
Uh, but no, I've, I've really been impressed by what I've seen of the New Japan Cup. And I, I guess I'll start with, with, with you, Joe, because you've seen everything. Um, have you been impressed by the work so far? And, 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 and maybe are there a few matches that kind of stood out to you more than others? Yeah, there haven't been a lot of like blow away matches. A couple like I can. Yeah, you, you have to see these. There have been uh, a couple very, very good matches. But the work's been solid overall. It's been a pretty good tournament. It's been weird with the the buys some random people getting buys like you know why is a young lion or dookie getting a, a buy and okada doesn't i mean i understand that you want okada to have an extra singles match you can headline a show with but you couldn't with the other people but it's like you know they're like oh 32 wrestlers isn't quite enough 64 is too many we'll kind of split the difference but random people get buys it's made it a little weird and a little hard to follow like okay what uh what match is this for for this wrestler there and also, it's been pretty chalk. No big upsets, nothing really interesting, no big storylines to point to. Everyone you think would win has pretty much won. So that's um, the one year I don't fill out a bracket. I probably would have done pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, there have been a, a handful of very good matches. And you know, overall, I, I'm watching all, all the shows. It's it's largely enjoyable, good wrestling. You know, the New Japan has good wrestlers, and the crowds can still be tough at times. I think today's show was pretty pretty tough from a crowd standpoint but there's uh you know the wrestling's been good and there have been some pretty interesting angles uh happening here or there on the undercard so you know it's been a good it's been a good tour yeah andrew is anything kind of stood out to you because there's a few matches that i kind of have circled that, that i've watched and, and, and really really enjoyed but uh any ones that you've kind of stood out to you so far yeah well i echo your guys thoughts i think it's been a, a pretty good tournament so far uh not a lot of bad which is pretty good outside of like i don't know Chase Owens versus Jado, which, you know, if you want to skip that one. I right did ahead, not folks. watch that, believe it or not. I uh, skipped <laughs> over that one. So uh. you could skip that. It's it's fine because uh, that's fine. But but no, there's been, I think, some some standouts for sure. Um, I think at the start, you know, Okada versus Despi was great. Yeah. Uh, Shingo Ishii had another great match at the seventh. Um, smaller matches, I think, as far as, you know, not notebook really, but it's still very good. Like Shima versus Kanamaru was really good. Uh, Jeff Cobb versus Kojima was really good. Uh, Osprey Phantasma was interesting because it was kind of a, a a flip of their usual matches in the past, where Osprey is the heel here and Phantasmo is is more of the face. Um, and Phantasmo he's been sort of leaning towards more of a heavyweight kind of edge, I think, in recent weeks and kind of teasing that one. Uh, but that was very good too. Um, Hiromu versus Suzuki on the thirteenth was pretty good. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of a few years ago where. Uh, Ibushi and Taichi had that G1 match where it was like 95% leg kicks the whole way through. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Except in this case, it was 95% overhand chops to the chest. <laughs> and Suzuki's chest is like bleeding in the first minute. And they're just chopping each other to bits the whole way through. It's That was a lot of fun. Um, what else here? Uh, Okada Taichi, again, uh, was a great match. Okada has had some stellar matches this year he has been on a roll outside of i think the wato match which i mean no offense to wato but you know wato so there you go but uh but he's had a, a fantastic year so far taichi was excellent here too uh jeff cobb versus yoshihashi was another great match uh especially with yoshihashi as the plucky underdog babyface and uh tanahashi naito was the main event of that show the 15th uh, a bit disappointing given their uh, output in the past um but uh, I think this one was it was good, but it wasn't as as great as the previous matches were. And then uh, today's shows uh, again was uh, Zach versus Okan, which was was decent. And uh, 
Sonata Osprey was, was good too. So yeah, a lot of good in this tournament, some great and uh, not a lot of bad. So um, yeah, overall, I think it's a you know real thumbs up tournament so far. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the quarterfinals, I mean, they, there's some really, really interesting stuff here. Uh, starting, obviously, this weekend, March 20th and March 21st. I mean, the, the match that everybody was like, wow, can this match happen in this part of the, the, the bracket? And it did. I mean, this is, I cannot wait for this match. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I assume it's going to rock. Is uh, Okada versus Shima. Yes, <laughs> the miracle run for Shima. He defeats Goto, <laughs> gets into the quarterfinals, and I mean... Joe, is Shima going to do it? Is he going to beat Okada? Like, come on. He, come on. He could do it, right? No. Like, how no, much the, is he politicked? How much is Shima politicked here? Like, is he no. working overnight to say, I don't know, brother? Is he, you know, puffing a cigarette saying, ah, I guess I could do the job, but, you know. No, he's no, like no. Shawn Michaels trying to politic against Hulk Hogan. It's <laughs> right. not going it's it's to work, brother. <laughs> yeah. No, he's eating a rainmaker. And, uh, and, uh, oh, and you're going to be wrong. You're going to feel like an idiot. It's Shima. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, that's, that'd, be, that'd be ludicrous. I mean, I kind of want it, like, weirdly, because I just want to see the world burn, but uh, that would be that would be something else, yeah. No, we will find out who the greatest uh, Ultimo Dragon student is uh, with this match. We'll finally be confirmed once and for all. And I, I do want to speak up for the, the Watto match. That match was great because um, Okada rainmakered him at the end and then did, like, the one-hand pin. Then as soon as he <laughs> as soon as it was over, he gave him the, like the condescending attaboy. <laughs> right. Uh, Thanks for coming. Even Kevin yeah. Kelly's like, oh boy, he got taken to the woodshed in this one. So that was <laughs> yeah. a uh, a must see match in my opinion. That you, <laughs> that is a great point about it. Yeah, that that was I love. Yeah, eighteen minutes he toys with them and then just yeah pins him one arm. Thanks for coming, pal. <laughs> like, appreciate it. Thanks for doing you know some work for me. So that uh, yeah that was great. But uh, you got so you got Okada and Shima uh, in the quarterfinals. You have Naito versus Cobb, and those guys have had incredible matches. Uh, in the past, and and I guess now the fun prediction would be, I mean, are you doing Okada and Naito in the semifinals of New Japan Cup? Like, I feel like Cobb's got to win this one, right? Yeah, I think so. I think Cobb will probably get his win back over Naito from the Dome. And, uh, I mean, it, you know, Okada-Cobb had that whole feud last year um, with the, in the G1 included, so I think this will be another chapter in that, that whole rivalry, and I think would, would Okada win? I mean... I, I could see Okada winning the tournament, the whole thing, and naming his own challenger like Ibushi. I've seen that theory in the past, but I mean, Cobb could pull it out too. You know, it's you know, stranger things have happened, and we're going to have you know Cobb be a major player in the company, which we saw last year in the G1, where he went you know eight and one with eight straight wins. You know, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think they're rich. No, I, I actually think that's probably the way that I would do this. And New Japan Cups allow you to kind of play around with this a little bit. I think this would be the perfect opportunity for Cobb to beat Naito and beat Okada. Because, it's you know, it's the New Japan Cup. It's got a little bit less, like, it's not the G1. It's not like this, this you know, people forget about New Japan Cups a little bit. It won't be this, like, you immediately have, it, like, if he wins, it's not like, oh, my God, you have to, you know, you gave Cobb a win over Naito and Okada. Now he has to, you know become the, you know, the world champion or whatever. But, I mean, it's still a significant beating, you know, Naito and Okada, you know, in back-to-back matches. But this would be a great, great, I think a great opportunity to kind of push him at least for this half a year, push him until the G1, push him until whatever. Because, yeah, then it gets an immediate match against Okada. You can do down the line. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I think, to me, it's a no-brainer. I, 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 I like that a little bit more than Okada winning and then just kind of choosing his opponent or whatever. I love the idea of Cobb beating him um, and then moving on to the finals. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Joe, is there any chance in your mind that Naito wins this and we set up an Okada-Naito, you know, quarterfinal New Japan Cup match? No, that just seems a ways for the spot in the New Japan Cup. I think you can get 
much greater dividends putting Cobb over and yeah. and rematching him up with Okada. But uh, as far as Abushi goes, like, <laughs> is he okay? He, it's like Triple H. Um, he, yeah, he, okay? he might be are dead. They, yeah, I don't know. Um, are, they, are they hanging out together? Like, I don't. Like, like where is he? Is he ever I, coming back? I'm getting a little nervous at this point. Uh, yeah, they they announced him for this tournament, and then we're like, "Whoops, no way, he can't wrestle." Are you kidding? Why would you think he could wrestle? And we're like, "I don't know. You told us he could. Like, like why are you getting mad at us? Like, stop yelling at us. Like, you told us he was going to be in the tournament. They're like, "Whoa, wait, hold on a minute. He can't wrestle. Are you kidding? What, what are you doing?" So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he. Um, I don't know. Him, yeah, him and Triple H are. Uh, Wrestling in heaven or something. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. Are they both alive? I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. It's very perplexing. I think I saw. Yeah, saw a photo. I think of the day of him um, with like Shuji Shikawa and a few other DDT guys from back in the day in like a like in like a uh, what we call it in a dojo somewhere. So I mean, he's probably again still on the mend, and you know, I I wouldn't doubt that. You know, he's working hard as he can to get back in the ring. But, you know, look, I mean, the bo- human body can only mend as, as fast as it can mend. So we'll, we'll see when he comes back. Do, do you guys feel that, like, and again, like, knowing his health and all that sort of stuff, and obviously there, there's issues there, but do, do, does this kind of feel like one of those weird abushi things that we had a couple, there was those few years where he just kind of disappeared for a while and he was wrestling, you know, dummies in his dojo or whatever, and then he showed up on like a big Japan show or whatever. Like, do you feel like it's one of those or do you feel like it's just strictly injury related? He hasn't formed an institute or anything like that. So I'm guessing <laughs> yes. it's just an injury. Yes. <laughs> he has not gone freelance with the uh, Kota Ibushi. Uh, what was the name of the thing? <laughs> He's like, I am now a freelancer and I'm representing the Kota Ibushi. Oh man, what was it? Kota Ibushi Institute. It, was just, it wasn't the Kota Ibushi Institute. It was something else, right? Uh, it was the uh, what is it? I'm looking it up right now. Um, it was something. The, oh, the Abushi uh, Pro Wrestling uh, Research the Institute. Pro Wrestling Research Institute. <laughs> yes. There it is. Yes, oh, okay. incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then that's when you know he he went to WWE and you know shook Vince McMahon's hand and gave a high five or whatever. <laughs> like, it's just the best. And then they're like, "All right, Abushi, you want to sign your contract?" And he was like, "No, what? <laughs> no, nope. I don't want to sign your contract." And they just left. And they're like, "Oh, all right. Well, why did we do this whole tournament? I don't know why, but uh, whatever." And then, uh, yeah, then he he returned his Tiger Mask W, which is a very weird <laughs> situation where. I'll never forget the first Tiger Mask W. They're like, man, who is this Tiger Mask W that he did the, you know, the the, the triangle with <laughs> salt to the outside? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, who could this guy be? Who could this guy chill out of stone yeah. that's doing, you know, corner moonsaults? I don't know. I have no idea who this Tiger Mask W could possibly be. Yeah, so. once we figure that out, we'll try to figure out who Doom is under the masks. Right. right. Oh, Bushi. But, um, uh, as far as the other semifinals, we'll, we'll, we'll probably know that uh, by the time most of you guys are listening to this. But uh, uh, as Andrew mentioned, the winner of Shingo and Chase uh, will face the winner of Evil and Hiromu. I'm not going to make you guys make predictions about something that you know could either be you know wrong. But I would guess that Shingo is probably going to beat Chase Owens. I think we're pretty safe in that assumption. But uh, you know, if we're wrong, we're wrong. But uh, do you guys both agree that Shingo is probably going to move on and, and defeat Chase Owens? So. I don't know. Uh, Chase Owens attacked Shingo on the undercard and uh, laid him out, so we'll see. Oh, Shingo man. has been saying he will beat Chase in five minutes or less. So, oh, uh, okay. Which, you know. A little too cocky. Right, a little too cocky, if you ask me. Maybe. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's up in the air. I think a package pile driver in his future there, Shingo. Gotta watch <laughs> out there, buddy. Yeah, he <laughs> ate one on a chair today, I, uh, I believe, so. 
It'll, I don't know. This is why you watch. This is why you watch the undercards. Because yeah, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's got you there. And then, uh, uh, Evil and Hiromu is is a very interesting. I mean, I think Evil would probably move on, but I think it'd be pretty cool if Hiromu moved on there. So, uh, but again, I, I don't know if you guys want to make predictions about something that will be you know, either right or wrong in the next like nine hours. So it's up to you. But mm-hmm. uh, I could see Hiromu winning and getting a shot the never title. I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah, that, that's um, that's a cool. Story there, and then uh, yeah, I'm excited about this quarterfinal here. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. and Will Osprey. I mean, that is, I mean, every time those guys have been in the ring, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, the WrestleMania weekend match was one of my favorite matches ever. The match they had, uh, what was it last year? I've lost all concept of time. Was it last year? It was last year, right? It was. It was last year's New Japan Cup. That match, I went five stars on it. Yep, I did as well. My number four match of the year last year. So I'm looking forward to that one a lot. Yeah, that's a, that's got big expectations to follow, and uh, yeah, these these t- dudes really don't go out there having anything less than like a spectacular match. So, I mean, that, that, that is definitely one to circle, uh, to, to, to make sure you watch that Zack Sabre Jr. versus Will Ospreay. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, the winner of that will move on to, uh, to, to face the winner of the other one we talked about. But, uh, I think Sabre and, and, and Will's an interesting one. Cause I feel like Will's probably going to win that, but they've, they've made a real conscious effort to push Zack Sabre this year and really talk about his singles push and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think it's impossible that Zack wins that. And I, I kind of feel like that's a coin flip. I, I don't know that I have, like, I, I've, I've ebbed and flowed on my pick for that one a lot, and I don't know that I've come to a, a great conclusion of who's going to win that one. Mm-hmm. Well, Osprey, he's been pushing, and, and commentary's been pushing him as well. Uh, he's, he's, he's injured, his back is hurt, and his neck is hurt and all that. So I could see that being the impetus for Zack to get the win you know, with some wacky submission that he has. So, um, and, and Osprey got the win over Sonata already. Um, so I could see that being kind of a turn for him to do maybe a U.S. title match perhaps. Um, so he's, he's got his, you know, he's got his big scalp there already. So, um, yeah, I, I could see Zach winning for sure. And, and you know, I think as far as the match goes, it's going to be a great one. But, um, but yes, I think Zach, there's a good chance for Zach. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Zach's, uh, he's someone who can pull out like a quick, you know, a roll up or a pinning combination or submission out of nowhere. That's basically what he did with Great, o- Great Ocon today, who was really dominating him. And Zach just kind of pulled an arm bar out of nowhere for the win. And it, it's possible he could, uh, he could repeat that against Will, but I would certainly favor Will in this instance. Yeah, it'll be one to watch for sure, just because these guys have had just great, great matches. So I honestly, I don't really care who wins because both, guy, both guys, I think, are on a good trajectory. Both guys are being pushed to a certain level. So this is really just like, a, hey, go see what these guys do. And whoever wins, um, it, we'll have a, a, a real, real fun uh, path towards the finals. And, 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 and probably, I mean, I would say looking at the bottom of that bracket, I mean, I guess you set up a, a potential Will Shingo rematch, which, I mean... Hell, I don't think anyone's going to get upset yes, about please. that. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, I'm down for that. Uh, but there's a lot of, like, interesting winners here. I, I guess maybe I'll ask both of you. I'll start with Joe. If you could predict it right now, who who do you think, you know, wins the New Japan Cup with with who we you know who's left in, in the tournament? Kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm tempted to say Cobb. I think he has the most momentum. But if he beats Naito and Okada, that feels like that's enough. And part of me thinks maybe... Yeah, they might do something with evil, which is frustrating. But he has enough going on with the oh, never God, title. No. Come on, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Cobb. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna you. go with Cobb. Yeah, do distance. that. <laughs> do that for sure. I'm, I'm not booking rich. This is oh, sense. <laughs> God. <laughs> but uh, uh, Andrew, do, do you have a, a good thought of who you think? Uh... Yeah, I'm leaning either Okada or Cobb. That side of the bracket. Um, I mean, I'm I'm thinking more about Cobb as as we go it all along here. Um, but here's the thing, like outside of a few people that's left in the tournament, 
you know, any of these guys could win. That's that's the beauty here. Mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of there are a lot of big names here. You got Okada, you got Naito, Cobb, Zach, Osprey, Shingo. I mean, you know, Hiromu, but maybe, you know, even like there's a lot. Chase Owens, of course, as well. The biggest of course, of, of course. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. it, it, Shima. You know, it, Shima, of course. Yeah. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll Hogan his way to the, to the top here. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, that's what's great here is that because there have not been any big upsets, you know, outside of a couple matches, maybe they've left the big stars towards the end for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the, that's the great part here is that you can have Cobb win and it'll make sense. You can have Naito win. It'll make sense. Or Okada or Osprey or Zach or Shingo, and it'll make sense because they're, you know, they're pushed guys, they're featured guys, and they're great wrestlers too. So you can't really go wrong in that sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Cobb will probably be a good favorite there. Um, but, again, I'm not counting out Okada either because he's the champ, he's the man, and, you know, him winning again would not be a big shot hurt all to me. So there you go. Yeah, and I guess that's an interesting part about this New Japan Cup that you bring up, Andrew, that, that a lot of times they will do kind of the big upsets uh, in, a, in a cup just to kind of let – you know, make it a little bit more obvious. Okay, this guy's clearly going through. You know, this guy's going to win. But like, you're right that they're they're they, when these quarterfinals are eventually set. Like, there's a, a solid chance that like, you know, five of these guys could easily win this thing. I mean, uh, Okada easily. I think you can tell that story of him. You know, winning the New Japan Cup and and, and you know, figuring out how he wants to. You know, who he wants to challenge or whatever. Uh, Naito always a contender to, to win the New Japan Cup. Always a contender. I mean, he feels like weirdly like one of the least guys that I would pick, just because it does feel like he's getting downcycled a little bit. But it's not totally impossible that he wins this. Cobb feels like a definite favorite, given you know he fits like the the, the criteria of like a New Japan Cup winner, where you have this kind of one off title shot. So I think he's a, he's a real good contender. I mean, Zach, depending on how serious they are about the Zach push, he can easily be that. Will we've seen it? We know. I mean, like he he's still in the mix there, so he's a real good contender to win it. Uh, Shingo, I mean, yeah, sure, why not? Get him back in the title picture, get him back up there. Uh, and then both of Evil and Hiromu, whoever goes through to there, I think that, yeah, there's a you could make the case that Hiromu, if they're really trying to push this guy to the next level, this would be a great opportunity to do it. And then, hell, if you're uh, if Dick Togo, I mean, <laughs> you, you want evil. So, uh, you know, you might want the worst timeline ever, which is evil, you know? Evil versus Shima in the uh, New Japan Cup final. I mean, I'm down. If there we go, down. baby. Come if you guys on, are down, I'm down. <laughs> like, let's get some grime, you know? <laughs> Get these good wrestlers out of here. Let's get some grime going. So not not that Shima's not good, but you know, a certain level of grime, a certain amount of grime in there. But uh, yeah, so it's been a good tournament though. Uh, if you've been uh, kind of on the outside looking in, uh, I would definitely um, want to check out uh, some of the New Japan Cup. Uh, I would say Okada Desperado. I would could definitely recommend. Trying to go real quickly over the list of matches that I've seen that I would really definitely say go out of your way. Ishii and, and Shingo, obviously. I mean, God, it's Ishii and Shingo. You could probably close your eyes and and, and and think about how great that was. It was as good as you're thinking it was. Uh, and then I kind of echo, I think it was Joe who said Will Ospreay and El Fantasma was like a really, really fun, really interesting uh, match between those two. So I really, really I, said, I think that I one. said that Oh, one. that was you, Andrew? Uh, yeah, sorry. No, I like that. Me, that yeah. match was really, really yeah, fun. Yeah, that was good, yeah. A really fun, uh, interesting one too. And then uh, I would say Okada versus Taichi would, would, to me, be the kind of the standout uh, matches that really, to me, kind of stood out and 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 and, and uh, I really, really enjoyed. So those ones. Any, I any others? As well, I would, yeah, I would say as well, Evil versus Tamatanga for uh, for the angle afterwards. Oh, of course, did, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Which I guess we should talk about there. Um, uh, yeah. Andrew, you, you know, you you brought it up there a little bit. Do you want to uh, talk about you know this this? We, I mean, the bull club is exploding. The bull club is fracturing. It's, I suppose. I mean, I think uh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, so a, a little while ago at uh, Impact No Surrender, 
Of course, uh, yes, of course. Impact, yeah. yes. Which right. is where all the big all the big angles for New Japan go these days. Uh, Jay White turned on G.O.D. And he basically just kicked them out of the group. And he got that, that which led the Good Brothers to go back into the Bullet Club. So you have now uh, Bullet Club America, which is Jay White, Chris Bay, Kikuleo, and the Good Brothers. Then the question was, okay, they're out of the group in America, but what happens when they go to the New Japan Cup? Are they still in with, you know, Gato and, and Chase and Evil and those guys? Are they still in with them? Or is this a case of where they're out altogether? And they do Evil versus Tamatanga, and towards the end, to spoil the guest of the match, um, they do the shenanigans with Dick Togo coming in. Jado comes in to fight off Dick Togo, and then uh, uh, Phantasmo and Ishimori come out to help out with Tama, and then Swerve, they attack Tama, and they cost him the match to Evil. Uh, Tangaloa comes out to the save. They beat him down. All the Bullet Club guys that are in the back come out. Uh, Gato, Fale, Chase, Yudro, House of Torture guys. They call. They all come out. They beat up G.O.D. They beat up Jado. Uh, Gato hits Jado in the face with no. the brass knucks. No. So the Brotherhood is dead. The, the I know it's it's a heartbreaker for sure. Uh, somebody asked uh, us, is this the first time that they've, like, since they've started as a tag team, is this the first time that they've faced one another, you know, been on the opposite sides? Uh, I, I think it's got to be, right? I'd have to, I have to think, I mean, it's not often that they're, and they've done singles runs, of course, at some points, but they've, I don't think they've ever ever actually feuded like a big feud at some point. I, I don't know. I'm not the expert on that, unfortunately, but, um, but again, they all beat down G.O.D. and Jado. And uh, basically what it's come down to is, I think Kevin Kelly mentioned it, is that the other Bullet Club guys, they they sold G.O.D. and Jado out to Jay White and they're kind of in cahoots with Jay White. So what you have now is Bullet Club America. You have Bullet Club Japan, which is Evil, Togo, Gato, Fale, Kenta, Phantasmo, Ishimori, Chase, Sho, and Yudro. And within that group is House <laughs> of Torture, which is Evil, Dick, Togo, Sho, and Yudro. And now you have a separate group of G.O.D. and Jado who are not Bullet Club. They're not really New Japan Army either. They're just kind of their own thing, I guess. Um, so, yeah, you, you basically have, I guess, uh, two Bullet Club groups, one Bullet Club subgroup, and then a, a, another group which is outside of that system. So, it's it's again, it's it's a bit complicated. But the, the main point is is that G.O.D. and Jado are out of Bullet Club. You know, that's the main thing right there, including Tama, who was an original member, by the way, going back to the 2013. Right, so right, right. So, that's, that's a... a, a pretty big angle to do and i have to say you know whatever your thoughts are on on bullet club these days as far as like the clap crowds go you could kind of tell they were into this angle and they were they were also very into tamatanga during the match as this fiery babyface, which i think we saw in the g1 last year they've been building up that kind of face side of tama because he did he did work face you know in that tournament last year, along with Tangaloa. So I think that was kind of laying the prep work there. Mm-hmm. Even quite literally shaved his G- beard, right? Wasn't that during the G1? Yeah, he yeah. shaved uh, his beard. I am a baby face. <laughs> Look at my baby face. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you, Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. But that was laying the groundwork, I think, for this eventual G.O.D. face run, which we've never really seen before. Again, this is something that's it's new territory here. So whatever happens with this angle, you know, it's going to be, I think, uh, a, a pretty focused one in this company. Um, moving forward uh, throughout the rest of the year, I think, Rich. 
So I was able to find five Jado versus Gato singles matches if you want to go back and, and watch them. So uh, September of 1997 at something called JD Star, <laughs> you got Gato versus Jado. Uh, at TPW's uh, Special Battle Dream on Dream uh, in uh, January of 1998, Gato versus Jado. Uh August of 1998, Jado versus Gato, FMW's Onita Presents Liar Liar. I guess it was a, <laughs> an inside joke on his retirements or something, I guess. I don't know what that is, but uh, we're trying to, to catch in on, a, on, on the Jim Carrey hysteria of 1998 uh, with Onita Presents Liar Liar. Uh, May 1999, the strongest tag league, Gato versus Jado. Uh, and then New Japan Summer Struggle 2003, Jado versus Gato. But uh, it's not like... I don't remember all those. I probably haven't watched any of those, but uh, I don't think they've had like an official breakup. I think it just kind of happened where they had to face each other. Or there was some reason that they faced mm-hmm. each other, but uh, yeah, never like uh, on opposite ends of the company type of thing. You know, for since yeah. God, the team's been around since fuck what nineteen ninety one ninety. Like it's that team fucking forever Over thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. been so long when they were. Bulldog KT and Cool SZ or whatever. I mean, it goes back way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back way, way, way long. So yeah, it's a pretty, pretty wild. Mm-hmm. I think JD Star was a Joshi promotion, so I have no idea what he'd be doing. Fuck knows. What a weird <laughs> offer match that is. <laughs> yeah, right. You came from women's wrestling. Well, here's Jado and Gato. Interesting. And, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. And Onita presents liar, liar. I gotta watch that show to see what's going on with that. So, uh, uh, it's either yeah, it's, but uh, there you go. Um, Gato and Jado, the the bull club. I think it's probably a lot of people um, really interested in, in in bull club. Maybe finally, actually getting something new with bull club. I know I'm been calling for that for you know about a decade or so uh, at this point. But I think it's it's probably it it's, feels to me long, long, long overdue. But uh, yeah, I don't know that we need like five bullet club subgroups but uh i don't know we'll see what happens mm-hmm. if you're uh watching the undercards they've done some uh bullet club versus uh god and uh, Jado matches and bullet club keeps uh cheating and right when uh Jado's about to get his hands on gato uh, they do some shenanigans and uh pull out the wins so keep an eye on that man that's uh so so Jado, the the, the master heater is the uh he's the plucky baby face he no? is, yeah. You know, um, Gato's like, ah, you're a loser. And, uh, you know, he's wrong. <laughs> Come on, Jado. <laughs> Show him. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm weirdly fascinated by this Gato versus Jado thing. It's, uh, I don't know that I want to see them wrestle, but I definitely want to see them wrestle, right? Like, that feels like a great singles match that you'd want to see. But, uh, anyway, hopefully, uh, Anyway, so that's that's Bullet Club. That's the latest in uh, New Japan pro wrestling. But uh, yeah, New Japan Cup going on uh, this uh, this weekend, the quarterfinals, and then the finals will wrap up. I uh, just closed the window, but uh, you got here. I can fire it up real quick here. Uh, I think the twenty seventh. I want to say March twenty seventh. I thought was the, yeah. So the finals March twenty seventh. The semifinals March twenty sixth. So you got uh, at least ten more days uh, of the New Japan Cup uh, coming your way. Mm-hmm. But um. We'll talk about this uh, the show uh, April 16th. New Japan and All Japan doing a super show to celebrate the anniversary, the 60th anniversary uh, of Cork and Hall. And we have some pretty fun matches uh, announced there. The main event is going to be Kento Miyahara and Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, versus Jake Lee and Sonata. So, uh, Joe, I'll start with you. Thoughts on, on that main event? It's pretty, uh, obviously, we're not getting any like hot singles matches here, but uh, that's a pretty fun tag match there with Miyahara and Tanahashi teaming up uh, and Jake Lee and Sonata teaming up on the other side. Yeah, no, that's a lot more compelling than the usual, you know, like like the 
there's like the dumb like here's yeah. six new here's three new japan guys and here's three you know all japan guys that's not fun like this is you know it's strange bedfellows here with miyahara and tanahashi and jake lee and yeah, no, that's I'm, fun i'm super curious about how their interactions are going to be because they're they played pretty similar roles for their promotions for for quite a while and also jake lee and sonata you know I'm assuming Sonata takes the pin, but I'm not sure. Normally in these matches, it's pretty obvious, you know, who's going to drop the fall in these. But that's a much more compelling match than they usually offer in these kind of scenarios. Yeah, that's an interesting point that I didn't think of is that, like, yeah, there's not a whole lot of guys there that could take that fall. I mean, Kento Miyahara is having a triple crown champion. He's probably not losing. I mean, Tanahashi doesn't really have any reason to win, but it's fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want him. So it's probably one of Jake Lee and Sonata. And, yeah, Jake Lee, you know, Always a contender for the Triple Crown, so I don't know that you necessarily want him doing that. So I guess it's Sonata, but that's a. Uh, I guess it depends so, on the politicking, you know. Who's in the draw? <laughs> right. I mean, Sonata's, honestly, it's not unrealistic that that's what happens. But uh, double Sonata's Sonata. also the U.S. He's also the U.S. champion right now. Right. So. Oh yeah. Duh. Yeah. Shoots. And but now he could lose it before then, obviously. But uh, as of right now, it's kind of weird. In the case hmm. of you got Mihar, the you know the Triple Crown champ, Sonata, the U.S. champ. And Tanahashi and Jake Lee, who, again, they could easily, you know, win a belt or, or do something big in the meantime. But, uh, yeah, it's a conundrum as far as who's going to um, who's gonna take this. I mean, it's, it's not like uh, a few years ago where um, I think the last time Tanahashi and Miyahara were in the ring together, it was the, uh, the uh, Baba 20th Anniversary Memorial Show. And it was Tanahashi and Yoshitatsu. Versus Miyahara and Sekimoto, and it's like, hmm, who's who's losing that one? Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this uh, where this goes. Um, I did look this up too. Sonata and Miyahara have only shared the ring twice. Uh, it was once in a tag match on the Destroy Memorial Show in November 2019, and a singles match all the way back in February of 08 in Kensuke Office. Wow. So, yeah. So it's we're a long ways away from, uh, you know, those days for sure. So it'll be interesting to see them kind of pair up again um, going forward here. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting, yeah, because it, it, it's kind of a ballsy um, main event here. Because, yeah, the, the the scenario of, like, who takes the fall is, is, yeah, it's really tough to figure that out right now. I mean, Tanahashi seems like the one that has the least amount to lose, but it's still... Tanahashi like you can't have him lose like Jake Lee's gonna pin Hiroshi Tanahashi I mean I guess it's possible but I wouldn't I uh, wouldn't bet on that so yeah it'll be interesting to see I mean that, that again I, I'm way into that because it's cool uh that you're not quite sure uh on the other side though uh, a lot of guys that could lose in this match Suwama Ashino <laughs> uh, and Dan Tamura versus Hiroki Goto Yoshihashi and Yo I mean that is like who's gonna win is <laughs> more the scenario of that one that, you know like I guess Suwama probably. Can Suwama pin his own teammate? Can he pin Ashino to win the match? Is that possible? So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it feels like Yoshiashi and Yo, uh, uh, very good contenders to lose that, and uh, Dan Tamura also very good contender. So that might be a day of they'll decide who's going to lose that one. But uh, plenty of, of of potential losers in that match. So uh, then you have. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I think one of the non tag champions would lose that one because Goto and Yoshihashi are the tag champs in New Japan and. Uh, I think Suwama and Ashino are still the tag champs in Japan. Yeah, so, yeah. So. Tamura or Yo, flip a coin there. Probably, yeah. probably Tamura, I think. But I would say that, but yeah, I guess maybe if you need to put a sacrificial lamb out there, Yo's a, <laughs> not a bad one to keep things uh, uh, in check there. This Now, this match rocks. <laughs> this match is awesome. So it's Yuma Aoyagi, Atsuki Aoyagi, 
Togi Makabe and Tomiyaki Hanma versus LIJ. Like, I had to make sure I didn't copy and paste that wrong. That's the match, right? Uh, like, that's what I see in front of me. Yeah, yeah the Aoyagi and Makabe and Hanma. Like, yeah, I, I love this card because it's like guys crossing over. Like, the idea of, like, what the hell's Togi Makabe and Yuma Aoyagi going to talk about? But uh, they're going to try to take down LIJ, so I uh, I appreciate their attempts. So, um, yeah, cool as hell. That's a really, really fun, interesting match. Again, I love about this card that it's not just strictly, like Joe said, like New Japan versus All Japan and just some boring, you know, six-mans, and you know who's going to take the fall, and you know who's going to get the pinfall. Like, weird as hell. It's Aoyagi's versus <laughs> and Makabe and Hanma against LIJ. It's really, really weird, but uh, I- I'm into that one for sure. And then uh, Toro Yano, uh, uh, and, and, you know, there's a few other matches that have been announced, but uh, this one I did want to talk about real quick. Uh, Toro Yano and Tajiri. Versus Black Menso Ray and Kanemaru. The I'm gonna need a shower after watching this match. I mean, there is that is grime to the the grimiest degree. There, wow. Sugi, they just need so, Sugi yeah. as a special ref, and then maybe yeah. can, <laughs> right, really <laughs> put it over the top. But man, what a Toro Yano and Tajiri. Ugh, gross. Like. <laughs> like a Dove Pro offer, man. <laughs> right. It's just Black Menso Ray and Kanemaru. I mean, I love it. That's a it's a great card. But it's a fun card. There's a lot of good stuff on this. Uh, so far, uh, we have six announced matches. I don't know if that's the final card or if they're going to add anything. But, uh, yeah, it looks, looks, looks fun for sure. All right. We have about an hour left. We have an hour left. Oh, the cha- did you guys want to touch on the Champion Carnival real quick? I yeah, forgot about that. Blast through that. That's yeah, let, let's do the Champion Carnival real quick. Let me get the uh, the blocks here because uh, I don't think we have officially gone over that on the flagship yet. Oh God, I lost the blocks. I had it. I had it. I had it. I got them. Oh, you got them. Go ahead. All right. You want you want to go ahead then? All right. A block Champion Carnival twenty twenty two. A block Shuji Ishikawa, Shitaro Oshino. Uh, Ryuki Honda, Shigehiro Iri, T-Hawk, and Jake Lee, last year's winner. Okay. B-Block, Kento Miyahara, Suwama, Yuma Aoyagi, Yoshitatsu, Kuma Arashi, and Big Japan's Takuya Nomura. There you go. So we got a Gleet representative in T-Hawk. You got Nomura from Big Japan. That's a pretty fun champion carnival. I think that's a... a the B block, I think I like a little bit more, but there's a there's some good stuff in that A block too. I mean, T Hawk and Jake Lee, uh, T Hawk versus Shino, uh, Uri, uh, if he's if he's got his working boots on, that's pretty fun. But yeah, the B block's pretty solid. Other than and you know, Suwama, depending on you know where his health is, it, it can always ebb and flow. But uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, that's it's all Japan in 2022, man. <laughs> it's not like you know the most glamorous, most get. sexy thing. You take yeah. what you can get, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's you know, all things considered, that's not bad. So. Uh, I think uh, no more in T Hawk are good uh, additions, but other than that, I feel like I've seen like this could have been last year's uh, well <laughs> <Champion> <laughs> carnival, and I'm like okay, oh, boy, yeah, you know, like you know, some of these matches, I feel like I've seen a, a thousand times. Yeah, well, but... you, you probably have. Yeah, it's all Japan that these days. It's uh, it's a tough. That's a tough watch these days. I don't, like, I don't... We couldn't get Cyber Kong in here. He was so excited when the year he was in. He named a move after uh, yeah the uh... Champion Carnival. Like I feel like yeah, like you know. Uh, uh, Yoshida or something from uh, 2AW, or I feel like there there are some guys they could have reached out and gotten to spice things up a little bit. I know. Well, are you are. gonna pay for them to be in this tournament, Joe? Because uh, uh, they are not. So hey, they I drew think... a robust 200 to Cork in, uh, uh, last uh, uh, Saturday. I'll have you know. Sir, uh, so. 
Money's oh, flowing in. Uh, yeah, yeah that, uh, that is a point. 200? It was, it was something. It was not good. Uh, it was like, is, all it, Japan. Was, no. was it everyone okay? Like, <laughs> oh, the, no. It was, uh, yeah, that um, all-Asia tag title match wasn't packing them in. Exactly. <laughs> God, yeah. All, all Japan's a real tough watch right now, man. I, I It sucks. Because I, I don't know how much of All Japan you guys have been keeping up with or watching, but it's... Uh, I'm not watching the undercards. <laughs> no, you're not watching. Yeah, all right. You don't feel you don't feel no, obligated no. to check out uh, all Japan's undercards. So no, I'll check out some the the main events of house shows and some title matches. That's about all I can stand. That's I'm yeah. That's where I'm at this point too. It's they're uh, it's sad. Yeah, it's 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 certainly not your uh, certainly not your father's all Japan pro wrestling. I'll, I'll say that. But uh, yeah, oh, man, all Japan feel the excitement. Champion Carnival, baby. All right, get into it. <laughs> anyway, Emerald Flow Show, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. They will get you excited <laughs> about both All Japan and Noah. I'm sure of it. How could you not get excited about Noah and All Japan for Wrestling? But uh, uh, there we go. So, okay. We are there. The time of the show. Hour left. Now we fuck around here. Hour three. I've had a little bit of bourbon, but not enough to get really drunk. Andrew, you got Chinese food in you. That's probably not enough, right? Maybe the MSG has, has done something to your, <laughs> your bloodstream, but probably not. Joe, you just ate cabbage and corned beef and soda bread, so I know you're no, you're no good, but uh, we'll still have some fun in this hour three because we're going to have surprise games. All right, uh, Andrew, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? What, what do you, how do you want to do, do this? Uh, I'm open to either. You can go first. It's your show. You, you know what? No, no, no. You're the guest. Andrew, guest oh. first. Andrew, you go first okay. with your show. Your, your All right. special All right. game. I don't know if you got a jingle. I don't know if you got a thing that you're going to do, but I have no idea what this is. Full disclosure for people listening. I have no idea. And we sure as hell weren't going to tell Joe what the games were because uh, he does this to no, us on the five-star no. match game. So he's, uh, I mean, I guess he doesn't do this. He tells us what the, <laughs> the topic's going to be. <laughs> but we're, no, you know what? Screw you because you, you made Andrew and I just fight to the death. I'm still reeling. Uh, from or uh, Andrew's still reeling from his loss. Uh, I, of course, won. <laughs> I don't know why I mixed that up in my You're head. But... character there. Uh, <laughs> I'm a three-time champion, sir. Is that Show true? Me some respect. You're... Yeah, I've won three. Yeah, three. Joe, is that the all-time record? Who's who's won more? No, I think that that is the record. So two more, he gets a uh, free subway sandwich. <laughs> Foot long or six inch? Six inch. What am I? What am I <laughs> pope here? Like. Come on. <laughs> And none of the fancy breads either. It's yeah, the basic well, Italian. I don't think it counts as bread, so don't want. It. Yeah, it's it's isn't it? A, it's it's classified as as a dessert in like Ireland, right? Isn't that the? <laughs> yeah, I believe there's so. so much sugar. It's technically yep. a cake or something. So, uh, it's incredible. All right, so Andrew, the the all time winner of five star match game. Um, the floor is yours for whatever this game is. Okay. Well, uh, I am known around these parts as the host of Music of the Mat, of course, but I'm also known around these parts. As a moves nerd, which is why All right, I'm out. Show, <laughs> I'd like to welcome the both of you to Andrew Rich's finishing school. Oh boy. The trivia game all about wrestling finishers. Oh god. I have seven <laughs> questions. Joe, are you as bad as I am at this? Because this is gonna be brutal. I feel like I'm okay. I have, I have seven questions of seven different categories. You get the question right, you get a point. You get it wrong, your opponent has a chance to steal it. The categories are WWF, WCW, TNA, 2000s American Indies, New Japan, NOAA, and Musical Finishers. 
little yeah. podcast tie in there. Uh, Rich, now I will say it again. It's your show, and you will go first. Pick okay. a category, please. Uh, give me World Wrestling Federation. Okay. The early 90s tag team, the Beverly Brothers, had a tag finisher called the Shaker Heights Spike. It was named after their build hometown. In which state can you find the city of Shaker Heights? Oh, man. Isn't, uh, isn't Shaker Heights in Ohio? Rich, you are correct. Yes. Yeah, one this point. is a lot easier than I thought. I was right, thinking. This is geography. This doesn't happen. I, yeah, I like it, Joe. <laughs> Shut up, Joe. This is a good Horseshit. game. All right. Anyway. I love this game, Andrew. This is great. Shaker Heights, <laughs> Ohio. Yes. All right. All right, Joe, it is your turn to pick. I'll take the old uh, Dubsy Dub. Okay. Billy Kidman was known for using the Shooting Star Press as his finisher. But when he was a member of the flock in WCW, the Shooting Star Press had a specific name. What was that name? Was it the Seven Year Itch? Joe, that is correct. You were on the board dang. with one point. All right, here we go. That was an actual move question, not geography. <laughs> you know, why are you so upset about this? I don't know. I have different kinds of answers the, here. Yeah, let's I'm, I'm trying to vary it up here, man. Come on. <laughs> the tables for once. I'm like uh, Apu, and it's like, you know, <laughs> can I go through your magazine? Now you know how I yeah, feel. Yeah. yeah, now you know how I feel. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's not forget, Joe, on the first five-star match game, you... Oh, God, here we go. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm bringing it up. Yeah, I'm bringing it up again. Uh, you told me we were going to do, you know, WF in the 90s, and all of a sudden I got to know all these, you know, Japan tag teams. You know, you know <laughs> Is that the, that's the game you got? Um... I got Speed Muscle instead of Muscle Orchestra. <laughs> yes, we all know the joke, all right? <laughs> I mixed up Muscle Orchestra and Speed Muscle. It's very easy to mix up those two teams. Yes. Like, they, they look the same. Their work is very similar. Muscles in the title, so you know I, I I'm I'm very justified in in screwing that up. And uh, anyway, all right, uh, give me and now forgetting Rich, what the categories turn, yep. were, but uh, give right. me give me two thousands indies. I remember that one, two thousand American indies. Okay. Right? wasn't that what it was? It was yes. And uh, funny enough, another, another geography uh, geography question here. Ha! <laughs> Suck it, Joe. <laughs> in in two thousand and two. Rey Mysterio began using the 619 as a finisher. Soon afterwards, on the American Indies, the Amazing Red also began using that move, but he used a different area code. Which area code was it? Oh, man. I... I should know this. I love Amazing Red. But I cannot remember what the area code was. I don't remember where he's from. I should know where he's from. I feel like it's probably California... Something like that. Um, man, I remember it starting with a seven, but I don't know. I don't know my area codes very well. Seven one two, I'll say. You said seven one two. Seven one two. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not confident in it, but Rich, that is incorrect. Ah, shoot. Joe, you have a chance to steal. Oh boy. Uh, I just know he's from New York, and. Uh... I'll just say two one two. No, that is also incorrect. The correct answer seven one eight. Oh, right, there we go. So close there. I don't so think close. Amazing Red would know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great game. <laughs> would Amazing Red know? I got yeah. You should quiz Amazing Red on that. Not not us. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, there you go. I. 
All I right. knew he was from. Why did, Joe, I not, got, why did I think he was from California? I don't know why I thought that. Anyway, go on. He's from Brooklyn, I believe. Yeah, he's got yeah, House of Glory. Yeah, York, I don't know why I said. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Muscle Orchestra, Speed Muscle, Amazing Red California. It is what it is. All right, Joe, you've got TNA, New Japan, Noah, and Musical Finishers. Which one do you want? I'll go uh, New Japan. New Japan, okay. Hiroshi Tanahashi was the first wrestler to ever kick out of the Rainmaker. At which event did that take place? Uh, The tempting answer is a Wrestle Kingdom. But that seems too obvious you would do that, so... Uh, I'm not good with show names. I'm just going to go Power Struggle, which they may not have wrestled at. <laughs> I think about it. <laughs> I don't think, they, I don't think they did either. Yeah, I don't regardless, think regardless, that is incorrect, Joe. Oh, well. Rich, you have a chance to steal. Uh, was this Invasion Attack 2013? Rich, you are correct. Yes. At two points now. Yeah. That's a history. Infamous oh, now. you know what, Joe? You sore loser, uh, you know. I have no problem losing if the game is fair. But, Andrew, just because he sent me the questions ahead of time. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. You know what I mean? Like, I still had to look up the answers. Like, I got the Amazing Red one wrong, so we could kind of be on the, you know, it's fine. Let it, let it, let the game play out, Joe. All right. Uh, Rich, TNA, Noah, or Musical Finishers? Uh, let's go Musical Finishers. Okay. Well, your luck might just run out here. Oh, no. <laughs> because I have... Four names of Zack Sabre Jr. submission moves. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Three of these names contain some sort of music reference. One of them does not. Which of the following does not contain a music reference? Is it A, yes, I'm a long way from home. B, orienteering with napalm death. C, Clarky Cat. D, cremation lily. Okay. What was the what was the cat one that she said the third one? That was C, Clarky cat. Clarky cat. I think I'm going with that as my pick. Clarky cat. You're picking C, Clarky cat. Rich, you are correct. Oof! Wow. Yes. Yes, I'm a long way from home. That is a Mogwai album. Of course. Yeah. Uh, who Napalm, doesn't know that? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Napalm Death is an English grindcore band. Cremation lily. And uh, Clarky Cat was from a, a 90s UK parody news show called Brass Eye. And it did an episode of uh, drugs. And one of the fake drugs they came up with was called Clarky Cat. So uh, Zack Sabre Jr., known for his many cheeky references there, that being one of them. But uh, Rich, you guessed correctly, and you now have uh, two points. Three. Oh, three points. Three sorry. points, yeah. Three points. Is there hurrah another year? Uh, what, what's the other one? It's another year. Oh, yes. Surely. Is that, a, is that a yes. song reference? Or is just <laughs> that's, like... a, that's, I think that's an EP, I believe. Yes. Okay. Or I don't album. know if it was him just being cheeky or, or if that was an actual. Uh, no, no. That, that's an EP, so. I think. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Hurrah another uh, year ju- better than the last. Uh, surely this one will be better than the last. Uh, the, inex- the inexorable march of progress will lead us all to happiness. There you go. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Very yeah. good name. Yes. Uh, Joe, we have three, uh, no, two categories left, TNA or Noah. Which one do you want? Wait, have I already lost this game? Uh, you can tie me. You can tie, you know. You could tie. You could tie. All right. Oh, boy, let's hope so. What, what's, uh, what do I have left? Uh, TNA or Noah? Uh, I'll go Noah, which is probably what Kobashi got for his birthday last year. But, yes. Let's, uh... <laughs> well, you're not that far off because here's the question. <laughs> 
Kenta Kobashi used the burning hammer a total of seven times over the course of his career. Who was the first wrestler that Kobashi gave the burning hammer to? And who was the last? I'm going to go Misawa. For both or? Oh, uh, I thought it was the same person. Uh, Oh, no. Sorry. Different people. uh, Yeah, I'll go uh, first Misawa, last Akiyama. Joe, that is incorrect, I'm afraid. Rich, do you want to take a guess here? Rich, are you there? (laughs) Rich has forfeited this game. (laughs) I guess you win, Joe. (laughs) Yes, I I will take it. I will take this win by forfeit. We are are live on the air, and there is no Rich Krejci. He might be on mute. There might be dog troubles. I'm here. The nurse might be. There was dog troubles. All right. Rich, you're counted out of the ring. Yes, we have lost the game. (laughs) Joe wins by forfeit. Um, Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Did you hear the question at least? Uh, I did not. No, sorry. I, I didn't hear the last half okay. of it. I heard Kenta Kobashi okay. burning hammer, and then I, the last part I did not hear. Okay. Uh, Kenta Kobashi used the burning hammer a total of seven times over the course of his career. Who was the first wrestler that Kobashi gave the burning hammer to, and who was the last? Oh, wow. Okay, so Joe got it wrong? He got it wrong, yes. All right. I don't remember who he said, but uh, I don't know who he said. Uh let me say, I don't know off the top of my head, but let me say Kawada was the first, and I don't know. The last was a uh, trick question, also Kawada. <laughs> uh, that is also incorrect, ah, I'm afraid, Rich. Uh, the fir- first one was Misawa, which Joe guessed right. The last one was Kenta. Kenta was the last. Oh, probably on the Burning, Burning Hammer. Hammer show, right? The the retirement show, he probably... No, it was the singles match, I believe. Oh, okay, all right, there. There are last singles, I think so. I think uh, he hit the moonsault in his retirement match. Oh, that's... Yeah, you're right. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. All right, one more uh, question <laughs> left. for pride. Rich, it's yours. For pride, yes. Uh, it's a TNA question here. All right. Total which, non-stop action. Yes. Yeah. yeah, which X Division wrestler had a finisher called The Move That Rocks The World? <laughs> the Move That Rocks The World. Uh ooh. man, I'm trying to think. My my TNA finisher knowledge is certainly low, but I want to say okay, so obviously with a name like that, you said X Division, right? Because my initial thought goes to Lance yep. Archer, but you said X Division, so I would X-Division. assume, yeah. His uh his rocking partner in crime, would it be the uh uh unfortunately recently deceased Jimmy Rave? Rich. You have won your fourth point. Wow. It was Jimmy right, Ray. There you go. Yeah, I would, I would have definitely said Archer if you did not say Exhibition. So thank you for giving me that. Yeah, it was the, uh, I think, gonorrhea is what he called it on the indies. <laughs> uh, and he changed it to uh, the move that rocks the world. So, you know, the old, uh, the old uh, African prince thing with uh, the embassy there. So, yeah. But, um, but yes, Rich, with a score of four points, yes. you have beaten Joe with one point. And Rich, you are the winner of Andrew Rich's finishing yes. school. Congratulations. Like I won the five-star match game. I have now won this. I, it's, it's, hey, you know, come on it's now. It's riches don't, here. don't you pull that. Don't you pull that on me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that, okay, that was a good one. Yeah, and and I should note, um, it appear this came up last week on Twitter, but let me see if I can get the exact details here. Uh, but the family of Jimmy Rave is looking for some of his gear that he either sold or 
gave away or, or whatever. I uh, forget. I think it's this robe and his Ribera jacket, and they are looking for any information that you can give, and they're willing to give, you know, willing to pay and willing to kind of do some stuff to get those things back, other uh, possessions that he's been trying to get. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Jimmy Rave because that's something that uh, you know, yeah, his family is just trying to kind of have some closure and and, and looking for some mm-hmm. items in his life that uh, they can hopefully get back, and are hoping that you know. Some wrestling fan somewhere has, you know, Jimmy Rave's Rivera jacket or Jimmy, one of Jimmy Rave's robes. Uh, so you can just look up Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, uh, Jay Chung, uh, Jay Chung, uh, at Jay Chung 11 uh, is the one that um, I was most notably tweeting it out. But yeah, yeah, they're, they're giving rewards for, you know, his Rivera jacket or his robe as well, because the family just kind of wants to have, you know, heirlooms of, of, of their father or their you know, husband or whatever. So, um yeah, if you know anything about that, or if you're listening to this and you say, "Hey, wait a minute, I know somebody who knows anything something about that," uh, that would be uh, that'd be cool to help out the family of Jimmy Rave. And they they actually reached out to us, you know, privately as well and said, "Hey, if, you know, if you get a chance to mention this, please please do." So uh, they they are offering a reward as well. So um, hopefully somebody has some information about where those those things have gone or anybody who may have them. But uh, yeah, there you go. All right, so that is game number one down. That was fun. I enjoyed that, even though Joe hated it because. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like geography for some reason, so or he just didn't want geography questions in the move. I don't know exactly what Joe's beef is. I guess because he lost, he's he's upset about. I should it. have. Uh, Rich was counted out. I should have rung the bell. <laughs> you, honestly, uh... I wouldn't have hated it. That that was fair. I did <laughs> like, not nope, meet. Over. You know, I did not. The, the... We needed a. Uh, we needed the New Japan answer. Seventeen, <laughs> right. eighteen, nineteen. As I come in, whoa, whoa, dogs, 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 oh, dogs, yes. dogs, 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 dogs. All right, so my game. You guys will not be facing off with one another. Oh. But instead be working together on this one. Okay? Because we're going to play Wrestler 20 Questions. And I don't know if you're familiar with the 20 Questions game or whatever, but you guys will be able to ask me 19 yes or no questions of something about a wrestler or whatever. Like, whatever you want to know about a wrestler. It has to be a yes or no question. I will answer yes or no. And then you can guess at any point in those 19 questions or in those 20 questions, but uh, you get 19 official questions and then your 20th has to be a guess of, is it this wrestler or whatever? But if you figure it out after four questions, if you figure it out after five questions, that is more than you can, you can do that for sure. Uh, and I will have uh, I'll have cage match at the ready. If there's any questions I can't answer or, or, or something I can't answer, but uh, it'll be yes or no questions. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll do a few of these. We'll see how it goes. If it's a complete disaster, we can abandon ship right away, but uh, <laughs> I will start with a, a relatively easy uh, a question to get us started. Um, a wrestler that I think both of us, everybody here is well aware of, not really a, a, a deep cut wrestler, but uh, one that I think after a few questions you guys should be able to get. So you can work out who wants to ask the first one, who wants to ask the second. You guys can, if one person just wants to, you know, has a, a bunch of questions they want to ask in a row, go ahead. Like, it, it's kind of collaborative. You can you can trade off. You can go one by one. You can just have, you know, Andrew ask the first five questions or whatever. But uh, yeah, take it. Uh, whoever wants to start it off, uh, take it away. Uh, wrestler 20 questions uh why don't you start andrew if you want to we can alternate if you want and we'll we'll try it that way all right yeah sure okay um is this wrestler a man yes okay uh so we're not given it's just we have to figure out a wrestler in 20 questions correct yeah yes okay that wasn't my question uh, <laughs> yes okay <laughs> you're done <laughs> yeah, that's bad right, bad use of the questions joe but uh, i appreciate it anyway no yeah that, that so, will not i will not dock you uh for that question all right uh does the wrestler compete mainly in north america compete do, do you want to yes. okay currently compete or 
in general competed? Uh, we'll say in general. Okay. Yes. This wrestler right. has or did compete in America. Okay. So based on that, I'm thinking it's someone who might be retired, might be a manager. Uh, is this wrestler, or sorry, is this person or whoever in uh, WWE currently? Uh, no. Okay. Mm, let's see. Uh, was this wrestler best known for competing in WWE slash F? I would say yes, but I there's a there's a case to be made that another company is about equal footing. I would say yes, but um, if it gets down to it, I might give you guys a bonus question for that because that's a tough one. It's it's pretty much an even split between two companies. But right now, I would say primarily yes. Is this wrestler American? Uh, yes. I believe that's five. Yes, it is, yeah. All right. I kind of want to hazard a guess because I have a feeling. Now, if you, I think if you guess, then I, I don't know. I've yeah, seen this. If you guess, it's uh, over. But I, I'm willing to not. I'm willing to adjust the rules if you guys want. But I, in the things I've seen in the past of these twenty questions, if you guess, that's it. It's it's final. All right. Uh, actually, I'll do another question. Did this wrestler compete in ECW? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, hmm. Oh. Okay. Does this wrestler currently lead his own stable? No. Okay. Uh, is this wrestler alive? No. Okay. Oh, all right. Hmm. Uh, uh, is this wrestler a former ECW world champion? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, is it Eddie Guerrero? Who are we? Are we doing the 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 guess? Will will end it? Or is this like the to... final thing? If I'm wrong, are we like done? Uh, it's or... up to you guys. It's up to you. I, I oh, usually no. I've seen going. that. Usually I've seen that, but uh, I'm willing to oh, I'm willing no. to adjust. I I would say if you guess and you're wrong, that that would end it. So if you oh, are right, confident, then, uh... Eddie Guerrero, I can I can answer that. We've got, but, uh... we've got plenty more questions here. Yeah, you got yeah, you, you got nine questions. Ask a few more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think it's Eddie, you can keep asking questions in that direction or whatever. But I just I just want yeah. I will I will I will keep asking. Okay questions uh has this wrestler competed extensively in mexico uh no no oh boy that is i believe 10 okay Hmm. stuff out here just to keep track um not there um uh is this wrestler primarily known for being a tag team wrestler? 
I would say primarily no. I, I will okay. give you the caveat. They were in a famous tag team, but probably would not be considered a, a, a primarily the first a tag you think team of. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Hmm. Uh, was this wrestler a former WCW television champion? Former WCW television champion. Let me double check. I want to say no, but... A lot of people held that title. Uh, actually, yes, this person was a WCW television champion. No, it is not Prince Ikea. He is still alive. So, Damn. bonus, bonus, <laughs> bonus, <laughs> <laughs> bonus hit there. It is not Prince Ikea. So, uh, okay, Let's think in here. Hmm. Oh, okay. I think. Well, no, that's not right. Um, is this person? Uh, is this person part of a a famous or well known wrestling family? No. Okay. That is thirteen. All right, I think if I have a, a an idea, can I tell Andrew or? I guess you guys could figure. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, you can, you can, you can, you can work through that on the air. That's fine. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I'm thinking it's Perry Saturn. Perry Saturn's still alive. Oh, is this person dead? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I forget right, what question mind. number it was, but yeah, one of them was. Uh, oh, scratch that. I didn't get, uh, hazard that guess. Uh, this person's dead. They're a television champion. WCW. Uh, uh, did they mainly compete in the 1990s? Uh, yes. All right. Well, yeah, a, a lot of they, they competed throughout the 90s, I should say. I don't know. Mainly, I think. Uh, I would say. Let me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they competed through through the entire nineties. Not all of the eighties, but the entire nineties. So yes, primarily through the nineties. Hmm. Okay. I believe that's fourteen questions. Maybe I miscounted. You're gonna get a bonus one because I think I think I maybe miscounted. But fourteen. We'll go with that. Uh. All right. Someone was in WWE, but also a different company. They're dead. They were in ECW. Not a former champion there. Former uh, ECW television television champion. Hmm. No, that's not right. Um, Man, I'm... Oh, damn. Um, it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough game. <laughs> this is a tough game, man. Yeah. Joe, uh, do you want to take a question here? I'm, I'm stumped here. I'm trying to think of a question. Uh, was this person to have um, 
because I have an idea. Was this person part of a tag team with the same name, with, but with different partners? A tag team with the same name, but different partners? Um, no. Okay. No. That's that's 15. All right. So like, it's not Bobby Eaton, which was my It name. is not. It is not that's Bobby what I was Eaton. thinking earlier, yeah. That's what I was thinking earlier. Um, okay. Um... Is this person? To ECW, WCW. Um, oh wait, hang on. Is that right? Uh, is this person in the uh, in the Hardcore Hall of Fame? Man, let me let me find out who's in the Hardcore who's Hall of Fame, that? and then I will answer that for you. Uh, the ECW Hardcore Hall of Fame is that the uh, the twenty three Arena Hall of Fame thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me see who has been inducted into the Hardcore Hall of Fame to see if the person <laughs> no that person uh, the person okay. in question is not in the uh, the Hardcore Hall of Fame. Okay. That is uh, 16 questions. Getting down to it. All right, so we established this person was in ECW, but not an ECW champion, but they held the WCW television title. Correct. They're dead. Um, and they're dead. In a tag team, but not maybe considered primarily in a tag okay. team, part of a tag team, yeah. All right. Was the pile driver this person's main move? Uh, it was I'm not. Thinking that direction too. Oh, it was not. Nice. Sorry. Well, <laughs> Sorry. Not Paul Orndorff then. All right. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. No, that's good. But no, it is not Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Oh man. Uh. Oof. Wait a minute. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Oh my. I is it Scott Hall? Are you ready? Is that your final guess? Joe, I'm thinking it's Scott Hall. Uh, he a was in a tag team, it? but not a, not a primarily a tag team wrestler, but he was in the big tag team. He's dead. He was in ECW. He's known for WWE and another company. He's not in WWE currently. He, is, he didn't do the pile driver, former television champion, not part of a famous wrestling family. That's, that's all I got. I mean, that's I'm looking at the list of television champions here. He's dead. A lot of them aren't. Yeah, so, I was thinking Dusty Rhodes is my only other guess, but you, I mean, wrestling has I'm more than one Scott famous Hall. family, so. Yeah. Rich, Scott I, we're guess, we're, I'm guessing Scott Hall. You are correct. Yeah, I thought that would be an easy one. I thought the meta of like we're doing Scott Hall episode would be it. But, I didn't uh, think you'd go that meta. Yeah. yeah no, that's, I, I was going to give you an easy one. I was going to give a lip, and you're like, oh, it's got to be Scott Hall. But yeah, we went up to the eight, it was the 17th question to, to, to get to that one. But uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, that was good stuff. But, I do uh, think so. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I thought it was fun. I didn't have to do anything, so it was great for me. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Do you, we have about we got about 20 minutes left. Do you guys want to do one more, or, or are you guys yeah, we do one more, yeah, sure. mentally yeah, and physically not? exhausted? So uh, we have Jeremy in the chat room who wants to help with one. So let me uh, – I'll tell him, Jeremy, please DM me in the, uh, the Discord. Yeah, I, so full disclosure, I kind of thought that one would go quicker than it did because I was like, I'll just give an easy one. And then, yeah, it, you know, it, it veered in directions I didn't think it was going to veer. But uh, 
Because I forget what you guys asked, but there was something really quickly, and I'm like, oh, they definitely got it. When, oh, I think what you said, oh, is this person alive or dead? And I was like, they're dead. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you're like, going to Paul Orndorff and stuff. So um, let me see if I can get to uh, have Jeremy from the Nodops chat room help us out with the, uh, the second one. Yeah, I don't know. I found that fun. I don't know about you guys, but uh, very stressful. I liked it. It's, yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it's it's it, the way that you attack the questions, I think. And obviously for the Maiden Voyage, that's always a tough one to figure out, uh, uh, you know, who you're going to pick. Right it's a little hard voyage. to do it like over, it's a little hard to do it like over, you know, a stream as well instead of like in person. Right, 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 right. Compare right. notes and, you know, do that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. okay. So Jeremy in the Nodos chat room did give me... Um, a great one here. He is still yeah, okay. Let's do this one. Let's let's do this guy. Okay. So it is another wrestler. 20 questions. Go ahead. Uh is this wrestler alive? No. Okay. Was this wrestler a male? Yes. All right. Is this wrestler an American one? Yes. Well, hold on. One sec, one sec, one sec. Oh. So make sure. It's not from Canada. I don't think so. No, he, he is. He is. He is definitely an American. Uh, let's Are see. Oh. oh, no, no. Sorry. No, he's definitely an American. Sorry. I, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't hear right. that. Okay. Uh, is this wrestler best known for competing in the WWF? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, is this wrestler best known for competing in WCW? No. Now he okay. did. I will. Uh, the caveat is he did compete well, in WCW, did, but I, I but wouldn't. That's not his primary. Yeah, company I wouldn't say there. that if you mentioned this person's name, WCW would come up first. Would would probably not be the case. All right. Is this wrestler best known for competing in all Japan? Uh, no. No. All right. That is that is six, I believe. Okay. Uh, is this wrestler primarily known as a singles wrestler? Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's see, did we establish if they were alive or dead? Uh, dead. I think the first question was dead. Yeah, they, they are. This person is dead. All right. Uh, and I should preface that they did, they may have had matches in All Japan, but again, like primarily, I would not consider this person primarily an All Japan wrestler. Okay. All right. Are they most well known for competing in Japan? It depends who you would ask. I don't know how to answer that. Uh, mm. I will give you a bonus question on that one. It, that is, certain people would say yes, but certain people would say no. It really depends what kind okay. of fan you were and when you were a fan for, for, for this person. So I will I will grant you a bonus question for that one. I will not dock that one against you. So you, you have another eighth question if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Were they the WCW TV champion? No. <laughs> I can't. I can look. I, you know, I think they may have, but uh, there was a lot of TV champions. That's a good, that's a good one. Uh do you want I, I I can give you another bonus one if you want on that one. They, they but they were not the TV champion at any point. I, I won't dock that uh, one. Yeah, I won't dock that one again. All right. Uh 
were they a territorial wrestler in the United States? Um, no. All right. Okay. Uh, was this wrestler alive at any point during the 2000s? Uh, yes. 2000 to 2009. Yes. Okay. Uh, did this wrestler mainly compete in the 80s? Uh, no. All right. That is 10. You don't have a whole lot of info. You got that they're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I guess you, you've, uh, you've ruled out a lot of stuff. Uh, you haven't ruled in anything, but you've ruled out a lot, which is, is, is probably good. Yeah. Um... Was this wrestler ever in ECW? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Was this wrestler an ECW world champion? Uh, let me double check. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes. Okay. They are. Uh, hmm. Okay. Uh, is this wrestler? Um, not known for that. Not known for that. Um. Uh, is this? Oh wait, hold on. Sorry, lost my place there. Okay. Uh, is this wrestler known for his feud with Masato Tanaka? <laughs> yes. Is this wrestler Mike Awesome? No, it's Johnny Hotbody. No, yeah, you got it. It's uh, it is indeed <laughs> Mike Awesome. Nice job. Yeah. How how'd you get to? Uh, lead me through your your thought process there. You just go over ECW champions. I had to think of ECW champions. Yeah. In my head, okay, Shane Douglas still alive, Taz is still alive. There was Bigelow, but Bigelow was known for you know WWF run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dreamer, Credible, Jerry Lynn, those guys are all still alive, obviously. Mike Awesome was the biggest name that stood out to me. So outside of you know Snooka, but Snooka again, eighties wrestler, yeah, right, WWF right. and all that stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's Mike Awesome. So there you go. Yeah, for all the shit that ECW gets, I mean, most of their world champions are still alive. I mean, that's pretty, uh, pretty yeah, wild. It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, how many of them have you know survived and, and are still going? But uh, yeah, there you go. That was uh, Mike Awesome. Thank you to Jeremy in the in the uh, note of chat room for that. So I mean, we have like ten more. I mean, I'm willing to switch to the other side if, if one of you wants to be the games master for one more. It's up to you guys. We can sign it off. Totally up to you guys. I mean, I'm all right doing plugs and signing off, but I'll leave it up to Andrew. <laughs> Look at <laughs> children. I'm fine with it. Hey, trying to two forty five. Pass the buck on to me. Perfectly I'll fine. Pass my bedtime here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's you know we can we can end it here. It's it's fine. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you guys for participating in that game. I thought it'd be a a pretty fun one way to you know switch the turn the tables on Joe and and now we've exhausted Joe and he needs to go to bed because uh, so. But anyway, uh, let's do plug a roost because that's going to take a little while to, to get those all the way. I'll start with you, Joe. The reason we did these trivia games and uh, these games were because you are the host of the Five Star Match game. So let us all know about that, how we can listen to it, and all, any other ways we can follow you and support you uh, in your endeavors. Uh, yes, if you want to hear wrestling trivia done properly, you can tune into the wow. Five Star Match game. <laughs> wow! <laughs> right here 
on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We have uh, shows come out about uh, once every two months. And uh, a certain topic, we've done shows on uh, the year 2021. 20, uh, we've done Clash of the Champions, things like WrestleMania, Royal Rumble. There's certainly evergreen shows. You can go back and listen. They're, they tend to be in the you know 45 minute or so range so nice quick easy listens they're a lot of fun we've had many people from uh the voices wrestling staff on there rich has been on several times uh andrew of course has won multiple times our winningest contestant and uh it's a it's a good time check it out it's uh you can follow the show at five star match game on twitter with the the number five and you can follow me on twitter at joe gagney G-A-G-N-E for uh, some some wrestling fun. And uh, I want to uh, thank Rich for having me on and uh, having heat with Joe and uh, to necessitate uh, this break. There's no vacation. <laughs> Joe's not even on vacation. He's just pacing his house right now. So, uh, But maybe he'll be back next week if things uh, come. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll have a mediator come in and, and, and maybe try to get to some level ground. But no, the five-star match game is awesome. One of the great additions to the, the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. I mean, as you said, even if you don't care what the topic is, Usually the guests are fun enough. Usually the trivia is fun enough. Like I think you do a great job too. Where where there are plenty of times that I'm listening to it and I'm like, man, I have no idea, or I'm really racking my brain or whatever. It's not like cause some wrestling trivia. Like I used to go to like you know bar wrestling trivia, and a lot of it's just like you know what's the name of WWF's main show that usually takes place in March and April, and it's like, oh come on, man, what are you guys doing here? You do not do that though. You you dig deep. It is definitely for the. The, the more in-tune wrestling fan, the more hardcore wrestling fan. So, uh, yeah, if you have never listened to the 5-Star Match Game, uh, make sure you go and check that out, Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network, at uh, 5-Star Match Game on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, a lot – they're all pretty much evergreen. I mean, some of the stuff might be – out, like, some of the questions might be outdated, but I think you could pretty easily listen to a show, you know, from three years ago and still get the same enjoyment that you got out of it, you know, when it happens. So, no, it's, it's you do a great job uh, on there, Joe, and I know it's not easy to come up with the questions. It's not easy to come up with the guests, but uh, – uh, you knock it out of the park every single time. So huge, Thank huge you. fan of, uh, uh, of the match game. I'm so glad uh, to have it part of our network. So, All right. And uh, yes, the, the next show will be on the 2000s independent scene. And we have some, uh, the show's all set. I got a little, uh, I got a little behind, but uh, I have some guests lined up and we are going to have some fun when that comes out, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, going to be so many questions on that one. I can't not wait for that one. The guests I'm very excited to. I, 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 I don't know who they are, but uh, I'm pretty excited, no matter what, because I, I feel like they're going to be some good ones. So, all right, and then uh, Andrew, um, what uh, what's going on in uh, in your world, and how can people support and listen to everything that you do? Yes, yeah, so uh, my main thing is music of the mat. It is uh, part of the podcast network here. Uh, it is a wrestling music podcast. We talk about uh, different uh, topics of wrestling music every two weeks. Episodes come out every two weeks on Tuesdays. Uh, last episode I did was on Brody Lee's themes with, uh, Colin Delaney, which I'm very, very proud of. I think it's the best episode I've ever done actually. Um, and Colin was a great guy, a great guest and really nice and very supportive and, uh, and giving him his time. So, uh, check that one out. It's uh, recommended highly. And, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can follow the show on Twitter at music of the mat and, uh, all of my writings for, the site are on voicesofwrestling.com, including that new Scott Hall uh, music article I put up today. Uh, and that's pretty much it, I guess. Rich, thank you very much for me uh, for get, bringing me on here. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you guys so much for uh, for filling in while, while Joe was on, quote-unquote, vacation. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, that, that, I really did enjoy this. And uh, as I said with Joe, uh, with uh, the five-star match game, Music of the Mat is incredible. And I, I said every time I, I guessed on Music of the Mat, but it is 
it is my favorite of the podcasts that we do on 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 the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, and and I like all of them. Every one of them on, is on there for a reason. But uh, Music of the Mat just hits me on a different level because it's just the the amount of research, the 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 guests you bring on, the conversations you bring on. I mean, it's it's to me more. I, I I'm annoyed that more people don't listen to that show because I think it's one of the best po- wrestling podcasts. It maybe one of the best podcasts uh, that I listen to. You do an incredible job with it. So yeah, more people need to listen to that. So tell your friends if you listen to it. Tell your friends. I, I have gotten. I have had people that casually watch wrestling, haven't watched wrestling in years, and I'll say, look, look, I'm telling you, you got to listen to the show. They'll, t- they'll talk to me about it, some old wrestling thing, and I'm like, you got to listen to this show. Like, you will love this. I promise you will love this show. So, uh, and every single one of them has come back saying that they didn't enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, we need more people listening to the uh, music of the mat. It is way, way, way too good. Uh, it should be listened by everybody, and you should be a, a multi-billionaire at this point. Vince McMahon should be cowering in fear of, of all the money that you have, <laughs> but uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Right away. But soon, soon, Andrew, you will be a billionaire. We will all be billionaires. Uh, just uh, keep holding our breaths until that happens. But anyway, thank you guys uh, so much for uh, joining us. Again, Joe Gagne, five-star match game. Uh, Andrew Rich, music of the mat. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you to everybody for listening uh, to this episode of The Flagship. We'll be back to normal-ish uh, next week. Uh, and then I will go away so that it will not be normal for a little bit. But, uh, hey, we'll make it work out anyway. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys uh, always for your support. And Andrew and Joe, thank you again uh, for jumping on here and joining us here on this week's flagship. So for Andrew, for Joe, I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.